0: This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition of the program, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, so enjoy those on us. Those other radio talk show hosts they want to charge you to access their websites. Ours is free, and ours is better. Head on over to freetalklive.com. In fact, not only is it better right now, but I'm taking a little bit of uh, funding and uh, sending it the direction of the website and getting it a little makeover, little remake.
1: What's, what's going to happen? Little revamp. Well, I, I, this is exciting news. I haven't heard anything about this. What's going to happen? Well, it's going to be totally redesigned, and uh, I'm pretty excited
0: about that. I see. I don't know when it's going to be finished. But it's uh, hopefully the, hopefully by the end of the year, a little tickle. Hopefully we'll have a uh, 2008 launch of the brand new Free Talk Live webpage. Hmm. Uh, bring it into the 21st century. Not that it looks like it's from 1999, but uh, it's it functions pretty well as it in its current state. It's just it could be.
1: Modernized a bit you know newer is better when it comes to uh websites and you know they 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 tend to evolve and and what's uh you know what's hot, the right colors and the mm-hmm. right layout and all that stuff
0: so that well, color scheme's going to stay the same
1: mm-hmm. the, the layout uh,
0: black and the yellow and all of that, and uh it's just the layout and the way things are designed, and uh maybe you know introduce a few new features that'll make things easier for me sort of on the business side, to add new things to the site. that oh, way I'm not
1: Everybody cares well. about that. Yeah, well,
0: the more if I can easily update the site better than I can today, I'll be more likely to update it more often, if that makes sense.
1: It does to me. So,
0: anyway, freetalklive.com, 1-800-259-9231. Uh, starting things out with a story I promised for last night, but we didn't get to. From an emailer, he says, Ian, I was listening to a recent program about hazing, and it got me thinking about some of my own experiences. I recently began listening to Free Talk Live, and I must say, I like what I hear. I only wish I'd come into contact with you and this movement before October of 2003. I mention October of 2003 specifically because that was when I decided to enlist in the United States Army Reserve. Mm. At the time, I thought I was making a great decision. Everyone was proud of me. I'd get extra points on a civil service test, and they'd pay for my college. The military seemed like the perfect thing for a guy who was tight on money and lacked direction. I can still remember how naively excited I was. I was going to be a military police officer. Unfortunately, no one mentioned that I had to enlist for a minimum of six years to get money for college. And my recruiter lied and said that I could get money for college for just two years of service. These lies continued until I ended up enlisting for eight years, four years active and four years inactive, which means they can call me back if needed. Despite my lengthened enlistment, I stood to receive no benefits for my service. Really? Somehow, I didn't care about all that. I figured I was making a decision that would change my life forever. And I was about to learn how true that was. My time in boot camp was traumatic, to say the least. To this day, my resting hours are filled with nightmarish memories of what happened at Fort Leonard Wood. There are far too many stories to mention in this one email, but suffice it to say, it's taken me some time to get over this trauma. There are a few stories that stand out, though. I remember making friends with a fellow recruit. I'll call him Brian to protect his identity. Brian was an energetic 20-year-old from Massachusetts who joined the military to follow in his father's footsteps, as as I imagine many, many people do.
1: That's what you often hear is, um, you know, generations of people who have been in the military. Yeah. Right. You, you
0: get brought up in uh, the military family. You're an army brat or navy brat or whatever they uh,
1: whatever they call them. Well, I don't think that necessarily. Um, some people just consider it a rite of passage into adulthood. Mm. You know, you got to join the military, be in for two, four, six years, and then you can go on with your life. Okay.
0: Well, whatever it is, it just seems like whenever your family is in the military, it highly increases the likelihood that you will also uh, be. He says, I remember that uh, Brian and I how fast we became friends, and thought that this would surely be a friendship to last forever. Unfortunately, it seemed that the drill sergeants had other plans. Drill sergeants tend to single out recruits who aren't holding up well, and make a point of hazing them the most. I can only guess they're trying to make an example of the recruits' poor performance. With my friend tough Brian... Up, I would
1: guess, too. You know, you're in the military, you want to be tough.
0: With my friend Brian, they took it to an extreme. Brian was having a hard time adjusting to being away from his family. Instead of offering him some sort of professional counseling, they decided they would call attention to his psychological problems. They would call him in front of the entire formation, which was about 200 people, where they would degrade him, calling him crazy, worthless, and a faggot. Needless to say, Brian was in no condition to take such punishment. He quickly fell into a downward spiral. It literally got to the point where he couldn't function. He'd just sit... And cry for hours. Jeez. The drill sergeant said he was faking, but I knew different.
1: He sounds like the guy from uh, uh, what was that? You can't handle the truth. Um, the Few Good Men, the uh, Tom Hanks movie. Remember yeah. the one? The, no, the, the no, got Hayes. Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. I'm sorry, I didn't mean Tom yeah. Hanks. I'm not much on the Hollywood stuff. <laughs> uh,
0: so he says, I can still remember the, uh, the last day I saw Brian. We were in the restroom, or latrine, and he was washing his hands. Or his hands' as tears ran down his cheeks. One of our fellow recruits was angry out Brian's, at Brian's continued depression and decided to throw in his two cents. The private said, man up, you weak piece of s." Feeling as though I needed to defuse the situation, I made my way over to Brian's side. Just as I reached out to put my hand on Brian's shoulder, he snapped, but not in the way you'd think. Brian didn't hurt his aggressor. Instead, he began to bash his own face into the mirror above the sink repeatedly. I watched for what seemed like hours, but was actually only about six to eight seconds. I finally jumped in when I saw Brian's blood on the mirror. He had shattered his own nose. I grabbed Brian and wrestled him to the ground in a desperate attempt to subdue him. In an effort to protect myself, I kept my forearm against Brian's jaw to keep him in place. Just then, a drill sergeant raced through the door. What the hell are you doing, private? He shouted at me.
1: It does look pretty suspicious.
0: Before I had a chance to respond, the drill sergeant threw me across the room where I hit my head on a urinal. I regained my consciousness and composure just in time to see four drill sergeants wrestle Brian out of the room. Shortly after the event, I volunteered to help transport Brian to the mental hospital on base, and I never saw him again. I almost envied him. He was gone. Lucky for me, I received a medical discharge toward the end of my training. It came to light I had asthma, and in an effort to prove the doctors wrong, a drill sergeant decided to induce an asthma attack. I was put through a gauntlet of tests to prove that I was healthy. These tests included rubbing my face into weeds that I was forced to pull, weeds that I'm no doubt allergic to, when that didn't work, I was thrown into a CS gas chamber without a mask and forced to exercise. After that, the drill sergeant decided to put me in a 12x12 12 12 dusty room where I was forced to do jumping jacks while my fellow recruits swept the room in order to kick up some dust. I decided that I ended up having a near-fatal asthma attack, and I was sent home approximately two weeks later. I'm glad you talked about hazing the other day, because it's an issue that doesn't get enough attention. These are just a couple of the things that happened to me in my nine weeks at Fort Leonard Wood. Unfortunately, there are so many more stories. To this day, I have nightmares about being sent back to boot camp. If you're ever talking with someone who's considering enlisting, I hope you'll tell them about Brian and myself from CS. Mm. Just an
1: amazing story from, from one of our listeners. And he apparently has more where that one came from. Don't you think there's some value, though? Um, I, I, you know, I don't... I, I think hazing can, can definitely go the wrong way. Value in being abused? Is that what you're talking about? The value in, uh, sh- you know, toughening somebody up for war. Look, I understand uh, the
0: point of toughening someone up for war, but when you're dealing with somebody who's obviously having severe psychological trauma, I don't know if they're taking the right tact. Well, if- I understand they're desperate for bodies to go over and be killed in another country, but I, it seems like they're being inhumane to me.
1: This Don't you think sick. that s- some people, um, you know, their defense mechanism is to, uh, you know, just sort of give up. And it's the drill sergeant's job to get beyond that defense mechanism to, uh, you know, to, to push them a little bit so that they, you know, do man up. I'm, you know, some people are going to fail. And I, yeah, I it, understand that. It sounds to me like they did a little more than just nudge him a
0: bit. It sounds to me like they stepped over a line. And would love to hear what you think, 800-259-9231. Did you ever experience anything like this, or was your basic training just peachy keen, no problems at all? You didn't see anything like this,
1: in fact. Well, a lot of people, what I've heard from people as far as basic training goes is it's um, something they'd never do again, but it's something they wouldn't trade for the world. They love the idea that they made it through basic training, and, and they love the idea that it was tough.
0: 1-800-259-9231. That is the Seykel's CAI toll-free line. You know, the problem with the military is that you can't just decide to throw in the towel. If you get into it and then you decide that, no, this isn't for me. You know, I thought it was going to be for me, but no, it's not for me. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, so, See you later, guys. Um, Heading out. Nice knowing you. They don't let you do that. No. And that's what problem number one is. Then people like Brian would have simply been able to say, sorry, not for me, thanks, see you later. But he couldn't, and so he got abused. More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231, SACL's CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. Live streams are there, broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters created by top attorneys. LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. LegalZoom.com. So, you can bring up anything. Let's go to the phones, to the fun, and talk to William in Florida. William, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello.
2: Hello, sir. How are you doing? It's good to hear your voice. What's on your Uh, mind? I'm really concerned, too, about the uh, recruiting. It seems that uh, the drill sergeants, of course, should have a certain procedure. And when they have recruits that uh, say they have asthma, they have uh, other problems, Mm -hmm. that should be reviewed by a uh, supervising officer. Otherwise, uh, they're using their rudimentary, complete control of the people. Um, I'd like to switch subjects just for a moment, if you don't mind. Okay. In Vietnam, the uh, pilots, when they were shot down over Vietnam, were worth over $2,000 apiece. All the peasants, all the uh, Vietnamese knew that. So when they captured an American and U.S. pilot, they, they preserved them. They, they kept them safe. They took them to the headquarters. Uh, okay. With our troops in, uh, currently fighting in Iraq, Af- Afghanistan, etc. It seems like if we have some kind of a money system where the peasants or the locals knew that they captured an American soldier, they'd be worth some kind of a, a remuneration. Uh, they could take him to a red cross uh, place, with uh, the red, red cross, whatever. But I want to be sure and point out I think it's extremely important in thoughts you know for that's what you're So hold on
0: a second. you're saying they would pay an insurgent.
2: To keep a soldier alive? Uh, no,
1: just a peasant, somebody.
2: Well, the peasants. There was a two thousand dollar reward for any American soldier or any American pilot who either dead or alive was turned over to the authorities. And, I see. Uh, So I'm thinking that if we had some kind of a, uh, a money system set up where American U.S. soldier was captured in a small village and they were surrounded by hating, uh, you know, peasants who are wanting to do them great bodily harm. Well, you know, it's and an that,
0: interesting idea. Of course, to think it would make a little bit more sense just to get the hell out in the first place. How about that?
2: Well, this is certainly the, the most important point, but I'm thinking about being captured. You know, if, if right. the family, let's say a real poor family, a little village, knew they had something coming for turning the guy over alive and in good health, that could make a difference for them and for the U.S. soldiers.
0: Well, that makes sense, and I wonder why that policy went away.
2: And another thing I'd like to especially for another thing is that uh, there's a book called Soldiers of Misfortune, It's uh, written by a Mark Sauter. It's an Avon publication. Uh, This book is uh, endorsed by U.S. General Westmoreland, who was chief of staff of all military operations in uh, Vietnam. The book essentially describes how after World War II, Russia demanded we turn over any Russians that were uh, fighting with the Nazi forces.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. We refused to do that. So the Russian government turned around and uh, captured over 30,000 of our American U.S. soldiers, oh mostly in the POW camps, and took them into Russia as slave
0: labor. Sounds like a real page-turner. Thanks for the call, William. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231, the single CAI toll-free line for you.
1: Why do you think they stopped that uh, policy, Mark?
0: I can't paying even, I, the I can't even uh, speculate. Maybe it's because they just don't care that much about their troops anymore. Maybe they care even less today than they cared back in the... Uh...
1: 70. it would seem if you apply um what is Accum's razor Accam's razor to it mm-hmm. um the uh, you know the, the easiest answer the, the quickest answer and it's, it would seem like it's just not worth it to them for some reason but i you know whatever uh if if they're if those guys are held in some kind of pow camp or something like that and we get them back later likely they'll be in worse medical shape two thousand dollars is you know nothing why not or you know i guess you'd have to raise it for a to- cost of living call it is Mm -hmm. probably still significantly less than we'd pay for medical treatment for Americans.
0: remember, $2,000 for peasants in another country. That's probably okay for them. It might be. Uh, You know, here's another group of people that the government doesn't care much about. From Washington, D.C., according to NORMAL, National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, police have now arrested a record high, another record high. Of marijuana smokers. Every year. In 2006 uh, is a 6% increase of two th- over 2005. Police arrested a record 829,625 persons for marijuana violations in 2006, according to the FBI's reports. This is the largest total number of marijuana arrests, annual arrests, for pot ever recorded by the FBI. Marijuana arrests now comprise nearly 44% of all drug arrests in the United States. Normal Executive Director Alan St. Pierre said these numbers belie the myth that police do not target and arrest minor marijuana offenders. Who noted that at current rates, a marijuana smoker is arrested every 38 seconds in America. This effort is a tremendous waste of criminal justice resources that diverts law enforcement personnel away from focusing on serious and violent crime, including the war on terrorism. Of those charged with marijuana violations, approximately 89%, or 738,000 Americans, were charged with possession only. The remaining 90,000 individuals were charged with sale manufacturer, uh, or sale manufacturer, a category that includes all cultivation offenses, even those where the marijuana was being grown for personal or medical use. In the past years, roughly 30% of those arrested were age 19 or younger. So, there they go again. Throwing more marijuana smokers in jail cells—is I mean, this really what you want your police to be doing? Because
1: they're spending a lot of time, a lot, a of, lot of money, and, and that's really the, the problem that I have with it. Is that it's just so much money? They, um, I, I, you know, I don't want to spend my money throwing pot smokers in jail. No way. I don't smoke marijuana, but I don't see any reason to put someone in jail. I, when I compare marijuana to alcohol, I see marijuana as being far less harmful than alcohol.
0: Absolutely. In fact, uh, they're not only spending money to throw the people in jail; then they get to spend more money once they're in jail to keep them there. Sure, I mean it's just money
1: all That's over the part place. Of it all
0: and then they get extra money. Uh, they they get money um, for the department from the marijuana smokers, which is the real reason they're doing this, right? It's not because they really do. They think do they think that this is going to stop people from smoking marijuana? How many people have you known, Mark, that have gone to jail for drugs, uh, marijuana specifically,
1: that got out and cleaned up their act? That's it, swearing it off, never smoking marijuana again. I, I, I can't say that I've known anyone that, that has gone to jail and, and gotten out and you know stopped, never done drugs again.
0: I've known a handful of people that, uh, that have gone to jail. They've gone st- straight for a little while. For marijuana, well, yeah, because they might be on probation or something.
3: Eh, well, and, then just, they, and then they, they just...
0: get out, and if they're on probation, they're counting the days until it ends
1: before they can smoke their next joint. I sounds mean, like a problem to me. What's the, what's the problem? Well, it sounds like they have a problem. I, I mean, if you're if, count, if you're counting days till you can smoke your next joint, some people you really have a like their marijuana. I understand. It and sounds it like a problem, and it doesn't necessarily
0: mean that it's a problem. It means that you just enjoy it and you're looking forward to it or whatever.
1: Anyway, my point
0: being that the time in jail did not dissuade them in the least from going out and acquiring more marijuana and smoking it. I mean, they they know this, and in fact, they see the same people coming into jail over and over again. It's not like these people get arrested once and they never get seen again. When you get arrested for marijuana, it's a conviction. It goes on your record. When a cop is behind you after you get out of jail, if you're driving, and a cop pulls up behind you and types up your license plate in his little computer, it's going to show marijuana arrested 2005. And then the cop's going to know you were arrested once, and he knows that there's a good chance that you might just have a little something on you. He can get himself another arrest. Exactly. So he pulls you over, makes up a reason for pulling you over, like, oh, your license plate was out, uh, light was out. Mind if I search?
1: And, uh, you know, and then you get arrested again. I heard of a guy who got on the wrong side of the cops uh, yesterday. I talked to him. He said he got pulled over every day for 20 days. And this isn't
0: a marijuana smoker. No, this, this is just a business guy. owner. <laughs> yeah. The SACL CAI toll-free line, you can bring up anything. Peter in Washington is next in your calls as well. Though ladies come first if you make the call Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring out anything toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The is CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark, the live Saturday edition. Bring up whatever you want. And join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are for free. There's a bulletin board system there with over a quarter of a million posts. Lots to talk about, serious issues, and fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org once again our number is 800-259-9231 uh take your calls here in a moment but just a few more uh, bits of information from the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws talking about how marijuana arrests are up yet again this uh this year not well not this year but the uh, the last year of record 2006 829,625 people in america were arrested for marijuana violations Nonviolent crimes People who never harmed another hair on another person's body. Or at least not that's not what they're charged for. Well, okay, fine. But um, most marijuana smokers aren't being arrested because they got
1: into a fight with their spouse. No, um, you know, <laughs> when it comes to domestic abuse, you're not dealing with marijuana sm- mar- marijuana smokers. You're dealing with drinkers. Right. In
0: fact, I wonder how many, it'd be kind of interesting to see how many alcohol arrests there were. Just as an aside, I,
1: I don't know what that is. It's probably still are. high when you're talking I, about drinking and driving.
0: I imagine so, yes. I'm just curious. Public intoxication. Uh, but yes, but, but at least with di- drinking and driving, someone's in danger. You're endangering other people's lives. I've never understood public intoxication. Uh, no, I, me neither, unless you're being loud and belligerent and d- destroying property, I don't see what the problem but is then with you're staggering loud down
1: the street or belligerent or destroying property right, like one of those things we can we can take care of, but what uh, public intoxication are you telling me that it's why is it a, such a big deal for me to go down to the bar, get lit so that I'm going to have a huge headache in the morning, which I have no interest in, but get lit and then stagger home. I don't know it doesn't make sense to me.
0: What about open container? What if you want to go down to the convenience store, grab a
1: brewski or whatever, pop it open and drink it on the way home as you walk home? Well, you know, um, the people in Montana until very recently, um, it wasn't illegal to have an open container. Uh, you know, that was one of the things. What was that the they, excuse they made? Uh, I don't know. You know, people don't mad doesn't like it. And oh, are has gotta- mad but 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 it's when you're walking. I mean,
0: most people don't get busted for opening container in the, the car. The whole concept
1: do they? of alcohol mixing with cars is is evil. Aren't you Aren't you aware? Right. So why don't they just have a law against people with open Although, containers in cars? I can have three beers and I swear. You know, I I grew up in uh, Sarasota, Florida. lived mm-hmm. there for thirty something years. Um, I drove around a lot of old people in Buicks and Lincolns, and I can have three beers and still drive better than most of those old people. I can tell you that. The, I, yeah, oh, no, I'll the take step- your word for the it. The octogenarians out there in their Lincolns. <laughs> So it's just, I'm sure some of them can drive great, mind you, but just just another
0: absurd law. I mean if we if we ever do get to the point of legalizing marijuana or rather re legalizing marijuana, which I think would be just one of the most sensible things this country people in this government could possibly do to actually make it so the police are really going after real criminals again. But if indeed marijuana was relegalized, would it be illegal to walk down the street smoking a joint?
1: I, I I think that in um, that that you're not allowed to do so in in Amsterdam, for instance. Right. Um. You know, it's it's illegal to walk down the street and smoke a joint, although they probably won't bother you for it. Um. In this, you know, but you can smoke in in these little bars they have these hash bars, and you can smoke at home. I'm
0: sure that there are. I'm sure that most marijuana smokers and would be very happy to smoke in their houses or smoke at the, a hash bar or something like that. Sure. But then you've got this double standard where, well, it's okay for cigarette smokers to walk down the street smoking a cigarette. Why is it so much worse to walk down the street
1: smoking a joint? There's mind Because al- of the children? There's mind-altering aspects to uh, marijuana that really aren't there with cigarettes. Oh, bah. I've heard that cigarettes give you a buzz. They They will if you're not used to them. Okay. And, and tests have shown that cigarette smokers are more aggressive, but the question there really uh, is well, um, is are, are people do aggressive people smoke or well, you know, what are you do suggesting make people aggressive.
0: Like, do you think marijuana is so mind altering that you're just gonna step out in front of some traffic? I don't know what the I'm suggesting. <laughs> first I time anybody... I,
1: when I when I f- smoked first smoked marijuana, I certainly would have stepped out in traffic if there hadn't been people around. Really? Yes. Wow. How
0: old were you at that
1: time? Sixteen. Yeah.
0: the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Present policies, according to Normal, have done little, if anything, to decrease marijuana's availability or dissuade youth from trying it. Noting the Saint Pierre said, noting young people in the United States now frequently report they have easier access to marijuana than alcohol or tobacco. In fact, two other major points stand out from
1: today's record marijuana arrests. Overall, there's I'd been, like to make a point on that if I yeah. could. Um, when it comes to uh, alcohol's availability versus uh, marijuana's availability, you see, there's store when the stores can sell it, they can sell it to only people that are over the age of 21. Now, I'm not saying that. Certainly people under 21 um, get alcohol. Just about everybody who's drank drank before they were 21. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does does limit. It makes it difficult. I think that we would be in better shape if we just let people who are 18 years old, um, you know, let let places sell marijuana, drugstores sell marijuana, and only sell to people who are 18 and up.
0: No doubt about it. I think that would be a huge step in the right direction. Uh, they say that overall, there's been a dramatic 188 percent increase in the marijuana arrests since the last er, in the last 15 years. Yet the public's access to pot remains largely unfettered, and the self-reported use of cannabis remains largely unchanged. Second, America's Midwest is decidedly the hotbed for marijuana-related
1: arrests, with 57 percent of all marijuana-related arrests. The region you know, of the reason for this is is it's just so it, it's just so darn expensive for marijuana. You can set up your third bedroom that's completely unoccupied with uh you know some Lamps and make an, make an investment of less than five hundred thousand um, dollars. Set up your third bedroom, tape up the windows. Uh, put five hundred thousand. Did I say five hundred? Yeah. You oh, mean like five five thousand? No, five hundred to a thousand dollars. Okay. The it would be your initial initial investment. Nobody has five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, um, you don't need to be a drug lord to grow marijuana. No, is all you do is you know section off your third bedroom and uh, grow a hundred plants in there and. You can make $30,000 when those, th- when those babies come ready, and then you can do that several times a year. I love how the article points out that the public's access to marijuana is largely unfettered,
0: self-reported use of cannabis, largely unchanged, despite, you know, despite decades of enforcement, despite decades of throwing people in jail cells, ruining their lives, and uh, continuing this police state insanity that we have in this country, kicking in people's doors, shooting dogs, you name it. They're, they're just doing awful things to our freedoms in the name of this war on drugs. And still... Still, people are out there using marijuana. People that have never used drugs,
1: um, their freedoms are compromised in the, in the process.
0: That much is true as well. Uh, by the way, the region of America with the least amount of marijuana-related arrests is the West, with 30% of them. This latter result is arguably a testament to the passage of various state and local decriminalization efforts over the past several years. The total number of marijuana arrests in the United States for 2006 exceeded far exceeded the total number of, of arrests in the U.S. for all violent crimes combined. Really shows you where the priorities are when it comes to your local police department, doesn't it? More than murder, manslaughter, forcible rape, robbery, and aggravated assault, all of those combined marijuana arrests, There's just more. there are more people being arrested for pot in this country than anything else. And we're all else. paying to lock them up. Annual marijuana arrests have nearly tripled since the early 1990s. Arresting hundreds of thousands of Americans who smoke marijuana responsibly needlessly destroys the lives of other law-abiding citizens of otherwise law-abiding citizens, said St. Pierre, adding that over 8 million Americans have been arrested on marijuana charges in the past 10 years. During this same time, arrests for cocaine and heroin have declined sharply, implying that increased enforcement of marijuana laws is being achieved at the expense of enforcing laws against the possession and trafficking of more dangerous drugs and plus it's just easier to bust marijuana it smells
1: yeah, it's, it's bulky big, yeah big and big and stinky
0: st. pierre concluded enforcing marijuana prohibition cost taxpayers between 10 billion dollars and 12 billion annually and has led to the arrest of nearly 20 million americans nevertheless some 94 million americans acknowledge having used marijuana during their lives including many politicians yeah Who just get up there and they chuckle about it. (laughs) Yeah, I I was just a kid and I used marijuana. Well, would you be better off
1: if you'd spent five or ten years in jail because of it? Or even, uh, you know, 90... Even a few nights in jail. 90, 120 days. Think about what would happen in your life if you didn't... If if you were, uh, you know, by yourself, single, and you got arrested for 120 days. Your apartment, all your crap would be gone. You're done. Unless you pay your rent five five months months in
0: advance. Right. Who does that? Uh, He says it makes no sense to continue to treat nearly half of Americans as criminals for their use of a substance that poses no greater and arguably far fewer health uh, health risks than alcohol or tobacco. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231, and it's the live Saturday edition in here with you. And Mark, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of stuff on the site. We give it all away, but we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at the Free Talk Live store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com and shop around. We've got all kinds of great items, including the Free Talk Live Branded merchandise like T-shirts and hats and hoodies, as well as uh, other things like our beanie caps. Uh, I guess that cat counts as a hat. Uh, The lighter bottle opener combo, DVD classic archive collector sets. We even have a flag and the bumper stickers are free. Figure out, you can find out how to get your own bumper sticker if you head on over to uh, store.freetalklive.com. That again, store.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones, to the fun. Talk to John in New Hampshire. John, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind?
4: Hey, uh, there is no war on drugs. There is a war on the Constitution. There is a war on uh, civil liberties. There's a war on the people of this country. Mm. And uh, to just prove it, uh, I think it was last week you folks were talking about who profits from this on a local level. Uh, Corrupt cops
3: Mm -hmm. uh,
4: on an individual level can do profit. Uh, and uh, the chief and and further on up, they profit at a different level by confiscating property. They conf- they they profit at different levels in the judicial system by by uh, by extracting fees from people. Hundreds of too, dollars,
0: hundreds of them
4: that are too cowardly to 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 uh, to stand up or, or too. Uh, I, I don't want to be too harsh on people and say cowardly. I, I'm trying to find a better. I, word. Yeah, cowardly
0: is definitely not the right word. It's just they're uh, they're scared and. They're
4: they're conditioned. Yeah, that's but, a good one. But, but that's on a local level. Uh, m- bump, it up a, bump it up just uh, to, the, to, to the national level. When we're in a war like uh, with the Iran Contra and that sort of thing, in, those, in that era, mm-hmm. there was cocaine coming into this country. And just like on the local level where certain things are allowed to happen by the supervisor, by the chief, by whatever, on, on a national level, when we're down fighting the Contras or whatever, you know, CIA – Type of war down there. It's interesting that the drug of choice that's being imported into our cities and uh, further onto the street is cocaine. And when cocaine we're fighting is a just war as, in Afghanistan. Now, and by and the way, cocaine
0: is just as popular as it's always been, if not more right, so.
4: But when we move over to the, to other countries where where the poppy plant grows, my point is that when the guns, the the illegal guns that the cia and the warmongers send to these countries illegally to fight wars the planes that carry the guns do not come back empty and there are people who know that this happens back when the iran contra thing happened the uh, there was a guy named Hassan he ca- he was captured by the uh, one of the governments down there they shot his plane down mm-hmm. he was on his way back to arkansas Clinton used to be the uh, governor back then. That's when he used to say that his brother had a nose like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> that was a huge importing place for cocaine.
0: Yeah, I've heard the allegations about uh, Mena, Arkansas, and the but, airport but there. When we're
4: in, But when we're in Afghanistan and other countries where the poppy plant is popular, uh, they say that in Afghanistan that, that crop was on its decline until all of a sudden there's a war, and then all of a sudden the poppy plant and the the drugs from that begin to come back in. What right. the hell is going on? Because the drugs are paying for the illegal guns that the CIA types. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to, you know, the dr- I, mean, that's
0: you're spe- I mean, you're speculating a little bit, but the fact is that the uh, the government my, my, agents are is- definitely involved in bringing, uh, many of them are, are definitely involved in smuggling, and uh, it may or may not be for gun money. It may just simply be for uh, their own personal enrichment. I mean, who knows well, what their well, motivations are.
4: That, too, you you don't normally hear me call up and talk about conspiracy stuff, uh, because I think, like you do, that it's a a large waste of time to focus on that. But it's also important not to ignore it. There are people, just like on the local level, which you are aware of and talk about, Mm -hmm. on the international level, there are supervisors or whatever they are, bosses, that sit in meetings and say, you know, we have things that we want to accomplish, and... You know what? We're going to look past some of this and there's ways that we profit from it. Some people have said, and, and
0: John, uh, great call. Thank you for it. 800-259-9231. Some people have said that you know the um, CIA and that sort of thing are using drug sales to supplement their budgets uh, that they're getting from the federal government. So the money they're getting from the feds, however many billions of dollars that is, isn't enough. So
1: they're uh, they're engaging in well, they drug have to transactions. have um, you know the the sort of black money that's an untraceable to some extent too. Right, that's and, what it is, black yeah, money. Right, and 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 John brings up an interesting point heroin wasn't that big of a deal until we went into have Afghanistan on the streets. Mm-hmm. Heroin was largely gone when I was, a kid, um, you know, in the 80s.
0: Right. If you're sitting out there just thinking that that's, well, that's not possible. Our government would never do any such thing. I think that you're living in a fantasy land because you just don't understand the power of the black market. You don't understand the draw uh the you know the the money is so great the profits are so insane in the black market it's very hard for uh for someone to resist that whether it's uh whether it's just a border patrol agent- re- trying to resist a uh, a payout from the smugglers trying to cross the border with a truck full of marijuana or cocaine. Right. Think, from from think that level it. all the way up to the top of the DEA. It's very difficult, or your local sheriff, for instance, very difficult for them to just sit there and not take these payments. When you can get, essentially you can get in some cases, depending on the load of marijuana that's coming across the border, you can make as much in one day just looking the other direction as a drug shipment passes through your checkpoint. You can make as much in that one day as you'll make all year long as working for a, uh, working for the border patrol, in cash. You know I mean, who could say no to that? You got kids to feed. You got a college to pay for. You got you know fill in the blank.
1: Everybody's got their
0: debt and their obligations, and uh, that's real how, cash,
1: real money. It think spends. how much twenty five thousand dollars would be. You know how much that would benefit you right now? Mm-hmm. Would you look the other way for a few minutes? You're damn right. If you didn't I sure think would. You, if if you didn't think you were gonna get caught. Not that
0: I'd be a government bureaucrat in the first place, but I can I can definitely say for sure that that I would, and it's very unlikely that you would get caught, especially if they buy out everybody at the border patrol. Now I'm not saying that everyone is for sale at the border patrol, but no, no, there is a chance that you know there are two or three individuals that are going to be on duty that are the critical people you'll need to pay off. In which case, you pay yeah, a few hundred, a few, you know, a couple, maybe a hundred thousand dollars to make one trip through, and
1: if you've got enough of whatever in, in the truck, then yeah. it's worth doing.
0: Yeah, if you've got enough in the truck, if you've got 3,000 pounds in the truck, then, you know, you're only talking about a little bit per pound. It's really not a big deal. 800-259-9231, CAI toll-free line for you. Let's talk to Puke on the line in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Good
5: evening, hey, guys. Hey,
0: what's on your mind, Puke?
5: Uh, let's see. The guy called in right at the beginning of the hour talking about Vietnam POWs or some crazy hoo hmm. And uh, he was talking about um, a like a monetary reward for uh, downed pilots or whatever. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
5: those are called blood chits, Chips? C-H-I-T. Okay. And it is, I don't know if it's been used before World War II, but they used them in World War II. It was like a silk cloth that was sewn into the uh, pilots' and bombers' jackets. And it basically said in like the languages of the countries that they would be flying over that if you found the soldier in a downed aircraft that you could take him or report where he was and get a reward. Hmm. And they still do that. Uh, when I was in Afghanistan, we had a blood chit and it was just a uh, you know a piece of paper that in whatever, you know, uh, Afghani Arabic right. language said, you know, take this guy in and instead of taking him to your warlord, uh, you know, call us the US army or whatever. And- You'll, we'll give you money.
0: I'm pleased to know they are still uh, engaging in that, pro- uh, that practice. Yeah, it sounded like a good thing. Very yeah, good
5: uh, it kind of gave you a, a peace of mind when you're out there flying around in the uh, Kushtu or push Mountains or whatever the heck they're called.
1: Indeed. Uh, I know this, the, the Pushtans. I don't know anything else, um, you know, I guess it's the people who lived in the Poosh uh, Mountains. Well,
0: as you're always... Push.
5: That's
1: as always,
0: thank you for the expertise. Anything else? No problem. Thanks, Pete. No, all I want all to right, dude. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Seals C A I. Good to know long. they haven't gotten rid of that program. Let's talk to Paul in um, I think Maine. Paul, you're on Free Talk Live.
6: Yes, hello, gentlemen. Hey, what's hey.
0: on your mind, Paul?
7: Well, I've been listening to um, another uh, broadcast, but and they've been playing Cheney from '91, saying that. Uh, Going to Baghdad would be a quagmire. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> isn't that just some amazing footage? I've seen this stuff. It's uh, it, it it's him just expounding on why this is such an awful idea, and we don't want to put our troops in harm's way, and it'd be a quagmire. And of course, he was right.
6: Well, why doesn't
7: why doesn't uh, Ron Paul's campaign just make a an ad? You, uh, utilizing that, it seems appropriate. It's a more. brilliant
0: idea. Maybe they just haven't thought of it. Uh, I'm sure they'd appreciate the suggestion. In fact, speaking of Ron Paul, go to ronpaul2008.com, and there is a contact link there. Get in touch with the campaign and, and make the suggestion. I mean, they, they just, they've just they almost raised a million dollars this week, so eventually they will be buying I, those campaign ads. I
7: thought you guys were the campaign. I, I... <laughs>
0: No, we just, we just are, uh, are happy to be a part of, or part of it and, uh, behind it and supporting it and, and talking about it on the radio. Thanks for the call, Paul. 800-259-9231. In fact, we'll give you an update on the Ron Paul campaign here in a moment and take your calls about whatever's on your mind. The live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live rolls on at hour number two coming up. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition. We're launching into hour number two of the program. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. Of course, you can join us on our website, at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. So enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Uh, once again, freetalklive.com. We'll go right into your phone calls here, and then we'll give you the uh, Ron Paul update that I promised. Uh, but first, let's talk to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on free talk Live. Hello, Tom.
6: Uh, yeah. The government doesn't seem to be uh, very successful in eliminating spam. All they do is pass laws, and they preempt even tougher state laws, And spam just gets worse and worse because the government doesn't do much about uh, protecting uh, the citizens against the social evil that consumes, you know, like if it takes five minutes a day to to wipe out all the spam off your hard drive, you know, times all the millions of Internet users, that's a lot of time. But there are free market solutions.
1: Yeah, ones that work.
6: Yeah, well, not just that, but... uh, Let's say you sow the web with bogus email addresses to bog down the spammers. You put all these bogus email addresses, a bunch of random letters at a bunch of random letters dot com, mm-hmm. and then uh, the email the uh, the info bot will go uh, surfing that, the, the the spam bot will go slurping up down these. Oh my master will be so happy! I'm I finding all these email addresses. <laughs> and when they go to send out a million uh email addresses um, a bunch a million spams like 99% of them will be garbage so you're bogging down the spammers so i thought this idea you know so the web with bogus email addresses to bog down the spammers mm-hmm. would make a good uh theme for a website so i set that one up okay
3: mm-hmm.
6: and uh I don't There's know if the another. spammers
0: really care that much about that. I mean, they, they don't care that they've got bogus email addresses. They just want to send out spam, and they know they're going to hit some real ones as they're slurping down those email addresses with their bots that are crawling the web. Right.
1: I'm not sure how much it actually bogs them down. I mean, they're going to get bounce, bounce backs, and they'll have to deal with that, but they have to they'll just to,
0: ignore them. They I have mean, to they deal can, with
1: some level of bounce back anyway. They can so.
0: probably just filter the bounce back so they don't even have to see them. I mean, I'm, these are professionals we're talking about here. I think that I, it's, I think that the spam protection is far more effective on on the other side of the coin and that is in the uh the inboxes of the world for instance in gmail I've got twenty five hundred messages in my spam folder right now and those get cleaned out every month or so, so you know periodically they get cleaned out so uh Google Mail for instance does a fantastic job of filtering out spam some of them still make it through but nowhere near as Man, much as uh as used I can't to. remember the
1: last time I got uh, got one from uh in Gmail
0: Tom thanks for the call we you. appreciate it dude eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one and gmail's free so <laughs> Google has come up with the. Uh, but I an, think it's
1: good good ideas like Tom that need to be explored. Oh
0: yeah, yeah Well, the marketplace is handling it. I mean, if anybody thinks the government is out there doing a damn <laughs> thing, ludicrous. to stop spam or stop uh, solicitation on the, uh, the phone solicitation, you have got to be kidding oh, me. Oh, I
1: think that um, their no call list has been somewhat effective. I still get calls all the time. I'm not sure. Are you on, what on the you no know call about? list? I don't know. You that, that then you're not. You I don't, don't call go inside I don't court. call
0: mommy government to take care of me Mark I understand uh, Google in fact Google is handling the sp- uh, the spam problem with phone calls as well with their new Grand Central service um where you can put your phone number sort of behind a wall basically and give everybody you put your real phone number behind a a different phone number you give everybody the the front line phone number they call that and then it forwards the call onto your red, uh, your regular phone. In fact, it can call like f- six phones at once if you wanted it to. It can ring your cell phone, your office phone, your home phone, all at the same time. If you have a
1: home phone though, um, you know, a regular landline, you're still going to have the same problem because they're the you know the company is going to give out your landline number and and people are going to call it. So. Well, you can always uh, pay
0: them you can to not VoIP. do
1: that. Right, you can have VoIP. Uh, but nonetheless, yes, and I does VoIP.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. VoIP doesn't give out that information. Uh, so anyway, the the phone numbers ring through through this Grand Central service, and Grand Central, like Google Mail, again, it's a Google product, has its own spam blocker. So even if people in the spam world start getting your phone number, Google's got their number listed, the ones they're calling from, mm-hmm. and they'll you know, knock them out. They won't even send those calls through to you if you turn on spam protection. And if a call comes through and it is spam, you can go into their system and mark it as spam. You'll never hear from those people again. So, I mean, it's just uh, the marketplace is really what's what's handling the the, uh, the problem. I would agree with more that more so than anything else. 800-259-9231. five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to Bill in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Bill.
8: Oh, hi, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, just to touch up a little bit on what I just was listening to. Um, what makes Gmail so effective in a sense, as far as spam is concerned, is that it, it not only does it handle it on its end, but it relies on its own users to help fourteen, the spam, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. for
8: instance, let's say that, uh, Ian, you you get a piece of mail that happens to get through uh, into your inbox. You mark it as spam. It, it automatically, uh, what Gmail does is it adds that uh, bit of information that you submitted uh, against its already profound number of spam solicitations. Yep. That way, no one else gets it uh, and it, it prevents someone like me from getting it the next time around. So that's... It-
0: so and that's, that's, just, uh, you know, that's just what's on the surface. That's what we know about. Who knows what sort of uh, programming and algorithms and things like that oh. they've, they've designed custom uh, to make their system just more effective than I think anybody else's. It's just incredible. Yeah, well,
8: there, there was a couple of things I wanted to bring up uh, just briefly. Uh, the first thing uh, I wanted to bring up was this god-awful misuse of the term grassroots. I don't know hmm. if, if you've come across it yourself, but I've been reading a number of articles uh, both in, in traditional print and online, about how all these other politicians, so-called politicians, are taking advantage of the grassroots movement. I don't. When I think grassroots, I don't think of hitting Oprah up for a large donation as grassroots. No. I don't think of uh, getting plugged on a Letterman show as grassroots. However, I do think going on a website and soliciting uh, for a uh, $500,000. From its loyal uh, contributors, uh, uh, John Q Public is grassroots. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think the term grassroots is getting, yeah, it's soon to get a negative connotation to it because now everybody's grasping onto this term. Hmm. And the only one that's effectively done it and has done it successfully, to my astonishment, has been Ron Paul.
0: Well, I'm not going to go out on that limb and, and say that. I mean, I don't pay attention to the other Democrats or Republicans and whatever grassroots efforts that they're leading. Um, but Ron Paul is certainly very, very effective at it. And I would say that, uh, that Ron Paul's campaign is more than just grassroots because grassroots is sort of eh, – you know, it, it, it evokes images of somebody – it evokes images of you know times past of uh, political campaigns of law of of yore if you will and i think ron paul's campaign is more than just grassroots because he's plugged into the internet and the internet makes grassroots into something that uh, you know the, well the grass isn't necessary anymore <laughs> the information age is connecting people in a way that was in, uh, previously impossible 20 or 30 years ago so I don't know if, if even grassroots is that appropriate. I think it's like a it's like a decentralized grassroots free market effort uh, to elect Ron Paul, for lack of a better or more you
1: descriptive gotta, term. You ought to toss the word electronic in there too.
0: That's a good one, electronic. Uh, but but what you're talking about is really has really just been stunning. Uh, if you go to RonPaul2008.com, his campaign website, there's a neat little flash presentation right there on the front of the page. I'm sure you've been in the in the last few days, Bill.
8: Yeah, I'm actually looking at it right this moment. Yep. $955,000. So say it
0: again? $955,000 is what they've raised in the uh, the last six days. They started this on Monday with the original goal, which seemed pretty lofty at the time. It seemed pretty lofty of $500,000.
1: Right, there was a good chance they could fail.
0: They blew through it. I think it was on Wednesdays right. when they blew two or three through that. Days. Uh, and then it's just been like 150 grand a day coming in since then. It uh, they they've raised their goal to a to a million dollars. This is the same campaign that the mass media is saying, this they, who is this guy? He doesn't have a chance. It's Ron Paul. What is this all about? A bunch of people spamming our polls. You right. know, Sean Hannity the, and them.
1: Right. Uh, you know, the, because these people are thoroughly entrenched and they're paid by the uh, essentially by the uh, Washington the monolith. Yeah. Um, Ron Paul wants to destroy. The Washington monolith. Yeah, mostly. Uh, Mostly. I mean, you know, uh, he will leave a constitutional government, but there's so much about our government that's not constitutional. He says he wants to to get rid of the... That's just awesome. And that's what's exciting people. And he's a 10-term
0: congressman. Right. He's electable. And he's got a history of actually doing what he says. Right. Unlike most of these other scumbags that are just lying through their teeth. Hey, Bill, thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. So, Ron Paul's campaign, they've got over 24 hours left to make it to a million dollars. And they're already at 955,000. There's no doubt they're going to roll right through a million, maybe even make, who knows, 1.2 by the time it's all done. This is Free Talk Live. This. This Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free. 1-800-259-9231. SACL-CAI. Toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. Live Saturday show. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. The place to go, we've got the Shrine of Female listeners there. The dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com.
1: Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live.
0: 800-259-9231 is our number. We're talking a little bit about the uh, the Ron Paul campaign, something that is getting people around the country and, and even around the world excited. There are international Ron Paul supporting groups that are popping up across the across the entire globe. Uh, this is how... how original this guy is in comparison to the other Republicans and Democrats that are running. If you haven't heard uh, what Ron Paul has had to say yet, then you haven't watched any of the debates, because uh, it's clear that his message is very, very different than anything else being presented to the American voting public. And it's getting people excited, people, uh, Republicans, who are totally burnt out on the Republican Party, Republicans that used to actually like the whole small government idea. Yeah. Um, then Democrats that are sick and tired of the Democrats just lying through until their teeth Ron,
1: about war. Until Ron Paul came along, um, I, it, I I was a Republican up until pretty much George Bush got elected. And, you know, a couple of years after that, the 9-11 occurred. And, you know, just the whole way that the Republicans have been stuffing their pockets full of our money and uh, prosecuting uh, this war that, you know, just doesn't make any sense at all. Right. For them, big government's only bad stopped, if they're not in charge. I stopped calling myself a Republican. Sure. Stopped. And uh, since Ron Paul's been back, I'm, I'm willing to do it again. I'd still be reluctant. I understand. <laughs> I, I, I always caveat it. So, uh,
0: so we're pretty excited about the campaign. A lot of our listeners are very excited. A lot of Americans from across the political spectrum, even into the world of the apolitical. I mean, there are anarchists, uh, free marketeers, that, that some people that never have voted in their lives. People are willing to stand up. And get registered to vote just so they can vote for Ron Paul because they, they really feel like he is – I know you've said this, Mark, that he's the last chance for liberty in America.
1: That's how I feel.
0: I mean, it seems like we are really going down a dark, dark road to totalitarianism in this country, whether it's some weird mixture of socialism with fascism together. none We are going in a very dangerous direction. And some would argue we've already passed the point of no return. In fact, uh, Karen Kwiatowski at LouRockwell.com is going to make that argument. Uh, but, but even she is a, a Ron Paul supporter, so I don't even think that she thinks it's all totally lost. There is a chance to turn this country back around and go back to the principles of liberty and freedom. But Ron Paul really, in my opinion, I'm agreeing agreeing with you at this point, Mark. I think Ron Paul's the last chance at a national level. I think there's still uh, some things that can be done at state levels, like here in New Hampshire, the Free State Project. I think that's going to have some really um, important effects on freedom in New Hampshire. But as far as the rest of the country is concerned, as far as the national scene, Ron Paul is the only person talking in this manner. He's the only person presenting real, liberty-oriented right. solutions if to government If you're against problem. war,
1: if you're against the American people being uh, cheated out of their money in Washington, and if you're for if you're for small government, this is the guy for you. There's no other candidate out there that has the record that he does. I'm sorry. Mitt Romney says that he uh, reduced taxes in um, Massachusetts. He's a liar. Well... Sure, but he increased fees, as did (laughs) Giuliani. I mean, these guys didn't shrink the size of their governments.
0: I mean, Romney is the guy that instituted the socialist medicine system. uh, Right, he presided over that. Or the fascist medicine system, whatever you want to call it. It's government all the way for these people. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Paul in Indianapolis, listening on WXNT. Hey, Paul.
7: Hey, how you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, I just want to let everybody know about the meetup groups. I'm not We've got hundreds of people just in Indianapolis that are involved in the Ron Paul meetup groups, hmm. and um, it's exciting. I mean, uh, it's, it's cool to hang out with these people, have barbecues, and, and organize events uh, to help Ron Paul.
0: What are you seeing I mean I personally have never been to one of these meetup groups I, I imagine there's one in my area just I haven't looked into it yet because um, you know I'm supporting Ron Paul in my way of getting on the radio and talking about it but uh, but what are, what are you seeing when you go to these groups what's the, uh, the I mean are there really people there from all across the political spectrum who have you met that you didn't expect to be at one of these groups
7: yeah I mean there, there's you know liberal professors that are you know teaching at universities that are against the war primarily mm-hmm. uh, but but you know there are other things about Ron Paul's message that they that they feel that they identify with. I Me mean, personally, I'm more of a, a, a little bit more libertarian side of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's there's a wide variety of people that I think uh, understand the, the basics of the Constitution, and they want to see that at least on the federal level that we've got some sort of uh, uh, libertarian-minded. Government once again, instead of this uh, sort of uh, move towards basically fascism, I guess, or socialism, Uh, it's it's just uh, it's disconcerting. I think to a lot of people, absolutely
0: disconcerting uh, to me. And so many people had just thrown in the towel mentally; they they'd given up. You know, they they look at the Republicans and the Democrats, and they don't see a dime's worth of difference between the two. And then all of a sudden, Ron Paul appears out of nowhere and uh, he gives people hope again. He gives people the the chance to actually reclaim their liberties, and there's no doubt that people are getting excited. Are you seeing new people come to the uh, the meetup groups on like a weekly basis? How often are you guys getting together?
7: Yeah, I mean, well, the one that I attend is just one of the smaller satellite meetup groups, but in the Indianapolis area alone, I think there's, well, I know that there's at least over 500 people that go to these meetup groups.
1: Hmm. How many groups are there? How many groups are there?
7: I I'm not sure how many there. Are. There's there's a lot of like small, uh, like the one that I go to is just in my local area, about five five mile radius.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
7: now, when you were asking uh, that
1: question mark, were you asking just for Indy? Or are you asking for the country? Cause no, I, 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 Indy and specifically. I just wondered how many were in a single city well, like Indy.
7: Right,
0: because Ron oh. Paul these uh, meetup groups he's got more meetup groups than any other candidate in in the in the race, as I understand it. I mean, he's just incredibly. It's just an amazing phenomenon.
7: So and these are all people that are that are ready to help, and so you know I think it's just exciting to be around other people that have similar ideas are ready to help, and they're they're pretty positive people. They're not just a bunch of conspiracy people. They're just on. That's good they, to know. They they like the positive message that that he's trying to carry forward, and, and they're ready to help.
0: Let so. me throw this one out to you, Paul. Um, if indeed Ron Paul does not make it through the primary, let's say. For whatever reason he loses, uh, he does not get the nomination, and let's say he decides he doesn't want to run as a third party, which is what he's saying he's going to do, but who knows? People right. might convince him otherwise. But let's just say he throws in his hat or throws you know, takes his hat out of the ring and, and goes home to Texas. What do you think's gonna happen with all of those activists that have gathered together for these meetup groups? What of what of the what of the people that you've met, what do you think they're going to do? What would what will you do?
7: I mean, I, I think I'm going to have a pretty tough time continuing on with my association with the Republican Party, just because it's opened my eyes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, being involved with, or, or being exposed to what he's had to say, and, and really starting to investigate, you know, some of some of the things that he's had to say. I've always been on the libertarian side of the party, but I've, I've never understood how how the party is operated. It's until, a mess. Until now, until it, I've focused on, on him. Right. It's I mean, disgusting. N- n- when n- you n-
0: get involved in pol- uh, party politics, it's such a turnoff because there's so much uh, bureaucracy and just uh, political football being played, and it's just right, awful. It's dirty. It's right, Right. It dirty, absolutely so. is. And, hey, Paul, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Keep up the good work out there. 800-259-9231. The Seykels-CAI toll-free line. we we'll talk about living in the imperial world on the way. Take your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the live Saturday edition of the program, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, and is Ian here with you. And Mark, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are for free archives. If you've missed a moment of the show... And I can tell you that if you're listening to us on your radio station and you don't get our weekday show, you've missed quite a few moments. So go to 18 free talk- hours a week. That's right. Go to FreeTalkLive.com, and you can grab them right there from the front page of the website. Listen to them at your leisure. That's, once again, FreeTalkLive.com. And are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. D2Z.org. As we go to the amplifier line, ladies first, it's HANA. In California, you're on Free Talk Live.
9: Thanks. It's great to talk to you guys finally. I never call in.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Well, what's uh, what's on your mind tonight? What well, what's so important that
1: you have to call us?
9: <laughs> I normally listen uh, podcast, and I'm a couple days behind because I've been busy this week with my meetup group for Ron Paul. <laughs> and um, but I was listening to, I think it was two days ago when you had a caller um, named Krishna call in about um, her view on how the nanny government got started. Yeah, she by was talking. Feminism.
0: Uh, right, she said feminism was uh, the reason why the government has become more nannying than it ever has, and that women, uh, for the most part, are to blame. Uh, that these, and she was then she just uh, just attacked women in general for, uh, you know, being gold diggers and that sort of thing. What did you have Some. to say about it?
9: Uh, she's absolutely right on, really? and and I wanted her to know that she's not alone, and I think it's awesome that more people should be talking about it, and um, the fact that we've got women who. Who basically even use their reproductive abilities to trap men for forever and, and stick them into a cycle of of not being able to make it in life because they decide to go out and, and get pregnant. And I have to say, I was so not necessarily deciding, but but allowing it to happen.
0: I was so frightened. And some of them do um, decide to do that to trap a man. I, I was so frightened of this possibility. I went out and got a vasectomy at age twenty-three.
9: I heard that. I thought that was funny. <laughs> well, you know
0: it is what? funny. It's mm-hmm. one of the most freeing things that I think that a uh, a young person can do. If you understand that you can just adopt a kid. If you ever want to, if you ever want to have a child, you can just adopt one. Yeah. Then Then uh, you're really taking charge of your reproductive uh, abilities, and uh, th- then
1: you can't get into those traps anymore. But Mark, did you have a, a comment? Oh, I wanted to know. Um, it's it's Hannah Hanna. Yes. Okay. Hannah. Um, I wanted to know, what, do you think that uh, then the women's suffrage movement where uh, women got the right to vote, do you think we should reverse that?
9: No, I don't, I don't think so. I think I know we're, it's a tough we're perfectly stance, isn't intelligent it? people in order to, to make those kinds of decisions, but I think that what they say about us being emotional um, is very true. Hmm. And when you let those emotions come in to where we're making these laws um, governing people's behavior um, – that's, that's where we've really, we've really started to lose our way and to lose our freedoms. And it is, it is a very mommy state that, that we are in. I'm a mother. My son's, um, you know, 19. And, and so I know exactly when I say you can't do this, you can't do that, that's just I'm, I'm molding him to be able to make those decisions for himself mm-hmm. and, and for my, my daughter's sake too. But once you're out there, that's the whole point. You're supposed to be able to make these decisions and take the risks and suffer the consequences of it
8: so how did
0: you um as a female who is probably probably consider yourself a libertarian or something like that yes mm-hmm,
9: Yeah, because of you
0: oh well thank you <laughs> uh, how did how did you um come to the point of over uh, i guess overcoming your female nature i suppose if, if that's what you're saying is is indeed the case that women have this nature of wanting wanting to control and to protect and utilize the uh, the uh, the state in order to do those things. What uh, what was it that I don't know tipped uh, with the straw of the camel's back for you? What what happened?
9: I don't know that I've ever been I've I've ever had much of a female feminine nature. I've mm-hmm. always been kind of one who had more guy friends than girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And um I you can kind of see I saw a lot of what the girls around me did to the guys and what they get away with and um so that kind of formulates a lot of a lot of my my ideas about about that. I guess
0: I I, I think I can understand because I was talking with my girlfriend Julia about something similar um, recently and she was she had pointed out to me that there was a certain time in her life when she was uh, in her teenage years where she was like most other girls, and, you know, she spent hours on her makeup and doing her hair, and, of course, you know, when that's what you're spending your free time on, you aren't actually enriching yourself in any way. Um, So she was a little vapid, I guess, at the time, and there was some sort of change that she went through where she came to the realization that this wasn't what she wanted for her life, and she didn't want to do this, and she didn't want to be so ruled by her emotions anymore, and she made a conscious decision to be more logical. And I think that's how she described it to me, just a conscious choice that she was not going to be ruled by her emotions anymore and it worked for her and now when she feels you know a rush of emotion coming on she sort of she catches it you know and analyzes it and says and and really looks at it and determines whether or not it's appropriate to be emotional in that way can you relate to that at all
9: oh absolutely and i think you know especially when your kids are little and you're so worried about everything um My, you know, my views on on the nanny government, there ought to be a law for all of these things that I don't think that endanger me and my family and my children. And, you know, and and that's a very it's a very big and it's a very emotional, fear based attitude. And um, I I, I guess basically it's just over time when you start to see, well, wait a second, if there's a law for this and there's going to be a law for that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm for, you know, personal being able to be free to do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. And if they hurt themselves then then so be it right and, and
0: i and I imagine that eventually if a uh, a woman who had previously believed in the government as a solution to whatever fill in the blank the problem might be. If the government decides to encroach onto her life and regulate for instance the way that she 's raising her children for instance not uh, allowing breastfeeding in public that might or be one great or whatever right yeah. uh, you know give them a reason to uh, all of a sudden get have the government slap them across the face and then they'll come to understand that maybe this government is a little bit dangerous and maybe we do need to be careful with with uh, what we're asking it to do um, that may be one way for a lot of women to, to come on board with the Liberty movement but is there a way we can preempt that is there a way we can get to them beforehand without actually having to have the government wake them out of their slumber with some you know, governmental coercion or violence? Is there some sort of, uh, I don't know, some path we can help women uh, get on to uh, discover liberty before it's too late, I guess?
9: Well, I think that, um, you know, as, as Ron Paul always says, you know, we set the example, and I know you guys talk a lot about, too, um, that it's more in, you know, you're kind of shaming people into doing the right thing more so than impose, imposing your will upon them, And you let them know that I think you can just do it through talking to people and through Mm -hmm. letting them know that there are other options. Um, I have neighbors who tend to be kind of on the socialist side, and when they talk about you know their their government jobs and wanting universal health care, you know I kind of try and and explain to them a little bit. Well, don't you like to have choice? Mm. You know, you just kind of you show them the the lighter side of Of the freedom you know and and then you look at you can you can take them along the other path, well, what happens when this thing that you like gets um restricted you know. If you can't drink your soda anymore because it makes you fat, mm.
0: and do you think it'll be easier as uh, as time goes on and liberty presumably? I mean, this this is my fantasy world, right, where liberty keeps getting more and more popular. Um, once it gets to a certain point of uh, critical mass, where it's being accepted by a lot more people than it is today, do you feel like it'll be a lot easier to uh, bring bring more women on board when it's more cool and more accepted to to love liberty?
9: Yeah, I think that women would generally be on board if. If they weren't given such free rein to to you know kind of get carried away with with their ideas um what and, do you mean and when I you guess that's just more op- upon the um, the ones who actually are getting into office and you see the Nancy Pelosis and uh, that gal from uh, Southern California, I can't think of her name feinstein uh no she she had that funny uh accent
0: well
1: whatever
9: but she's always making up these laws, these stupid you know nanny laws making and, us a little safer, yeah. Yeah, at, at everybody's expense.
1: You know, I'm all for safe, but I I don't think that uh, someone's freedom should be limited as a result of the safety that somebody else wants for their mm-hmm. life. Right.
0: And I think most most people, women and men, can understand that liberty is a good thing for them. It's just... Getting them to understand that you have to give liberty to everybody else, including the weird guy down the street, if you want to actually have liberty in your life. It's, it's a constant challenge uh, bringing more women into this movement, but also so rewarding because then we get really intelligent, uh, interesting people like you, Hannah, and thank you for the call. We really appreciate it. 800-259-9231. The liberty ladies that are in this movement are just firebrands. They're so passionate and so Just intelligent and on target with liberty. It's just the more we can recruit, the better we'll be. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything. The Live Saturday edition, 800 259 9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231, the Sakehold CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and amp. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Amp stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote, and the idea is a simple one. Uh, it uh, simply allows us to help get the show out to more radio stations. It's your dollars helping us spread Free Talk Live because we don't charge you for the website. So those other radio talk show hosts, they do charge you for their sites. We figured we'd give the site away for
1: free and then just ask for contributions. And it's been working pretty well. Hundreds of our listeners have Amp's up. Amp's not really contributions, though. I mean, Amp... You don't Amp, think? No, it's a club um, in the same way, you know, it's a membership club. You get personal yeah, for but, joining. You get an the amplifier. It, it wasn't um,
0: created with that intention. Uh, the amp program was, sure was created as a the,
1: way for listeners to
0: get behind the show and help promote Free Talk Live. Fine. We but threw it, in it, some perks to spice it up a little bit.
1: I mean, you're talking $3 a month. You don't think that a uh, personalized call-in line, a uh, section on the BBS, uh, what other amp? Uh, chat, room. A, chat room. Chat there's, room. There's benefits to being an amplifier. There are, but... The, it's a club. Okay, uh, sort club. of. Sort of kind of. It's, yeah. it's cool. It's not sort of kind of nothing. What do you get when you're doing a club? You yeah, get benefits. An, yeah, but it, normally when the cl-
0: when you have a club, the money goes to uh, the people running the organization, and they can get, do what they want with no, it. No, it goes. This money right, well, it goes it goes to the
1: organization itself for the benefit of the organization. This is that's what's happening here.
0: Okay. Well, this money is going to uh, promote Free Talk Live and get us on more stations. So you can call it whatever you want, but go to amp.freetalklive.com and learn more about it. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones to the fun. Talk to Corey in Minneapolis. Corey, you're on Free Talk Live with the Ina Mark. Hey guys. Hey, what's on your mind?
10: Um, I just want to talk about Ron Paul and the meetups for for a minute. Certainly. Um, I am the organizer for the Minnesota meetup and there are 315 people in our meetup. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of people that I've never met before in the whole Liberty movement. Uh, there are people that are Democrats, people that are Republicans, people that are independents, some constitution people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're in this to win. I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to change the tide here. You know, he's, he, he was a second-tier candidate. I consider him a first-tier candidate. Now that you know he's he's won these polls and the me, the media is trying to ignore him, but I I believe that the people I are now considering him strongly. Um, so we're 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 working to have him win. But I think in the case that he doesn't win, I, I'm I'm considering and I'll see what the the group thinks of this, but creating a downsized DC affiliate uh, mm-hmm. because. At least that type of uh, group could be a long-term solution, rather than something that's short-term, like a candidate right. or being a, a you know a party affiliate or whatever it is. That way, we bring a coalition of people that are completely pro-liberty, and uh, it's it's something that. I just want to throw out there.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. In fact, uh, Jim Babka from DownsizedDC.org is expected to be on the show, tentatively scheduled for next week on Saturday. And we're going to be hosting Jim Babka's Downsized DC show tomorrow afternoon, uh, which we'll stream on our live stream uh, as we do it. And, of course, uh, you can listen live at freetalklive.com to that. It's going to be between 4 and 5 o'clock Eastern time. So Mark and Ian filling in for Jim Babka on the Downsized DC uh, dispatch report. So, Corey, cool. um, just a quick question for – I'm curious about this. You say there are over 300 people in the Minneapolis media uh, meetup groups. Now, right. are you actually meeting with 300 people at a time? How does that work, if so? I,
10: I think there are some people that live out of the cities that have signed up for it that just don't have an affiliate yet. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of other – there are probably about eight other meetups across Minnesota that are for Ron Paul and uh so they're they're signed up with them as well as us so that's probably why we we have an inflated number but but um i would say there are about 400 people across minnesota that are signed up with the meetups that are actual activists and the people that come to the meetings i'd say it's a good you know 30 to 40 that are really truly active and doing things
0: so you'll have 40 people show up to a a ron paul meetup right that's pretty. That's pretty tremendous. I mean, you as somebody who's had some experience with the Libertarian Party, I, I know that uh, you you were an activist for the Libertarian Party, and you might still be, for all I know. Um but, uh, but I'm curious. You know, what was the biggest Libertarian Party meeting you ever
10: went to? Probably 20. Yeah. Uh, for for just like a, a typical meeting, sure.
0: Right. A- how does that make you feel? Just like I mean, have you ever seen anything like this before in your whole career in politics? I think-
10: I think people are excited because they see him a little bit in the media, a little bit more maybe than the typical libertarian candidate might, oh, might yeah, get. Oh yeah, a lot
5: more. <laughs>
10: and he's obviously making or bringing a lot more money. I mean, the typical libertarian candidate might have like one to two million dollars, whereas he's raising a million dollars in a few days here. Yeah, or so.
0: seven days. Um,
10: it's it's a lot. It's it's def, there's definitely a lot more excitement, and I think. You know, we're putting on events. There's national events going on. I, I remember I mentioned the Paint the Town Ron thing. That's happening this weekend, and I mentioned there were 70 groups. Now there's 100 groups, and so it just keeps growing, and I think that is going to also push him to be in the more of the, the media spotlight.
3: Right.
0: Word um, is continuing to spread, and, uh, Corey, thanks for the call. We yep. appreciate it, uh, about the Ron Paul campaign, and it's such an infective, it's such an infectious message. The message of liberty makes sense. If it's presented in an understandable manner, and it's not hard to do that. It's what the country was founded on. Right. So we've got those roots, which helps a little bit, though it's, they've been pretty much uh, hacked to bits by the government at this point. Uh, but people still want to be free. You know, They still think that freedom is a good idea, and it's just – Ron Paul's the only person who's talking about it. Anyway, 800-259-9231. Let's go to Brian in Colorado on the Amp Line. Hello, Brian.
11: Guys, I had something else to talk about, but this Ron Paul thing is uh, is more important. I, I've got a concern here. Okay. Uh, the the idea that they got the, you know, all these meetup groups. Uh, you know, there's uh, 350 uh, registered here in Denver. They're doing the paint the uh, paint the town Ron today, and there's another one a little south of Denver in Littleton that has you know a couple hundred people. Uh, they're doing all that stuff. My concern is that people are buying into the Ron Paul thing not because of liberty, but just because of the war. You know that uh, the the Democrats are saying, "Oh yeah, Paul's our guy," you know, because he's going to get us out of Iraq. I, I, in other words, uh, he's against this war. So what? And, but, yeah, exactly, and that's my point. Is we have a we have a huge opportunity to to uh, to get those people who are against war, but they still might want you know universal health care and education, you know, uh, Department of Education, all that stuff. It, it's the opportunity to take those people who who are against the war. Period. That's their only single thing, you mm-hmm. know, because you know they say American voters are, are just sing, single issue vote, issue voters, and say and bring them into the fold and say, oh yeah, okay, we ended the war. Now, hey, guess what? You know we can also end you know the tyranny of the of education. We can also end the tyranny of the of the tax collector. And and they didn't buy into that in the beginning, but but this is an opportunity to to turn that around.
3: Absolutely.
11: So just, just, I mean, just, just because we have got a lot of people in these meetup groups. You know, it seems like, and I've seen these people. They're they're Democrats, you know, so-called Democrats. They're Republicans. They're Independents. All sort of stuff. They just are against the war. So we can use this opportunity to pull those people. Yeah,
0: it's a great wedge issue because these are people who normally, in any other circumstance, would never be around people like you and I, people with uh, a principled understanding of liberty and freedom. They never would have an excuse to be around people like us unless it happened to be in a social setting and they happen to know you personally. So here you are with this opportunity, this unprecedented opportunity, to uh, bring these people that, uh, again, they believe in government in some areas, bring them into the and talk to him on a one-on-one basis. You know, okay, you like Ron Paul in this area. Now let's explain how the principle of, of liberty applies in these other areas where you previously wanted, were interested in government assistance. And, uh, I mean, if anything else... Just encountering the message of freedom, a principled message of freedom, is going to chip away at the wall. You know, whatever mental walls they've built up uh, to block off their uh, love for government programs from any sort of assault from the outside, those walls are going to be lowered a little bit simply by being around uh, liberty-minded people. I think that that's going to be incredibly valuable.
11: Yeah, my exhortation to the people who believe in liberty and are behind Ron Paul for that is don't make Ron Paul – a, 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 a one-trick pony. Make Ron Paul kind of a, a uh, uh, you know a, a, another word for liberty. And you, and, and, but but it just doesn't stop there. You have to, like you say, go one on one with these people. Say, hey, you know, hey, we can do the same thing to the IRS that we did to you know the army in Iraq. We can we can eliminate it.
0: Absolutely, I'm with you there. Any other thoughts, Brian?
11: Oh, you know, I always have another thought. Hey, <laughs> uh, I, I just I just took advantage of uh, of your uh, LegalZoom.com 10% discount. Super. Yeah, I I got in there and, and I saved twenty bucks on my next patent application.
1: Fantastic! I didn't even know they did that patent applications. Awesome. I didn't know either. They, they, they got all that. kinds of stuff
11: there. Hey, LegalZoom. Brian. Legalzoom.com, man.
1: Thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate a right. code is FTL Thank if you want that discount. That's
0: LegalZoom.com code FTL. What do you think about that, Mark? I mean, these people uh, that have normally would never come anywhere near the Liberty Movement all of a sudden have found themselves in proximity with people like you and I, that's going to have an effect.
1: Well, I think that um, there's lots. Yes, it's it's a great time to get them while they're thinking positive about a candidate mm-hmm. and talk to them about, uh, you know, particular issues. So,
0: you know, this is this is your opportunity to increase the size of the pro-freedom movement in this country more than it's ever been. And I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I would agree. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. On the way, Hour 3 is coming up. Still to talk about the imperial world and how we're living in it right now. Karen Kwiatowski at com has uh, a few suggestions as to how to handle it. Because we're in it. Whether or not you believe it yet... We're there. The police state of America, if you will. Your comments as well about whatever you want to talk about. 800-259-9231. This is the live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is a live Saturday show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. The Sakel CAI toll-free line. As we launch into hour number three, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those. They're on us. freetalklive.com. We go right into the phone calls, starting with Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey there. What's on your mind?
12: Well, uh, normally I call in to tell you guys what I've seen. Uh, today I would like to show your listeners what I've seen. As you know, uh, Dr. Paul came to town today in Manchester, I'm sure you guys already talked about that that's today. That's
0: Ron Paul. It was, I think it was mentioned earlier, but we didn't really touch too heavily on it. Um, I did go to com and look at their blog. They had a photo from the event, and there was a huge crowd at this thing. Mark, you said that uh, estimates were a 1,000. The Boston Globe reported 250, and right. I think I, that that's way off. All
1: you have to do is look at the video. Uh, 250 either is um, somebody who can't count or somebody who just wants to make it look like a smaller... Uh, you know, a deal than it was. The media has been lackluster in reporting on Ron Paul from the very the beginning. Yeah. and I don't know. I'm I'm not calling a great uh, media conspiracy, but it it just seems to me that uh, the, the people in the media, f- for whatever reason, are not reporting on Ron Paul accurately.
0: So, Dave, you were out there today. You shot video footage of it. Um, what was the scene like, and where can people uh, watch this?
6: Uh, go to
12: YouTube.com/slash/dadaorwell. YouTube.com slash dada Orwell.
0: That's Dada, Orwell, as in George Orwell.
3: Right.
12: I'm an ex-news photographer, so I'm pretty good at shooting stuff and uploading it the same day. I've started shooting about five videos per week and uploading them right away, so that now people can start seeing all the things that we've just been talking about without much delay.
0: What would you say as far as the the experience today? I mean, what was the first of all? What was the event for those that aren't aware? And secondly, what was your experience at it?
12: Uh I would say that it was probably it was more definitely more than 250. I guess it was probably I mean one guy told me he thought it was
6: 700
12: um but then, in fact, the 1000 estimate I don't know. I've never I've never had to count a crab that big so I just really don't know how to count it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It is hard once uh, it's above a certain size.
12: What's... Yeah, but it was a very colorful crab like I said. The thing to do is look at it, just look at the look at the video and and um, I'm just going to really try hard to talk document a lot of different Ron Paul things and a lot of different Liberty things that I see, you know, over the coming months and years. And just because I'm so tired of telling people about it, I just want to show them.
0: Well, you're doing a fine job. I know I'm subscribing to your YouTube channel personally, and uh, of course you're a talented activist uh, here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. And uh, keep up the good work, Dave. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. There's just some of the most amazing people that have moved here uh, over the last few years as part of the Free State Project, this organization that's dedicated to moving as many liberty-loving activists all to the same state.
1: One of those amazing
0: people is me. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so anyway, talking more about uh, other people like Dave uh, in New Hampshire, he's Far just, more a, amazing. just a super activist. Um, Mark, you do a good job on the radio. Dave really hits the streets and really does some uh, some amazing work on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's not just him. It's, uh, it's hundreds of people that have moved here already, and we're going to have at least a thousand people that have moved here by the end of 2008. Who knows when the next thousand will be in. As more people come here, more activism happens, which, of course, attracts more people to come here. And so it's this snow Ball that's starting to build and beginning its roll down the mountain, uh, if you will, for uh, for lack of a better visual image. It's really building, and things are getting exciting. The Liberty Forum is coming up in January, which you can get more information about at freestateproject.org. We went to it last year. I'm looking forward to this next one. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. This past year was pretty big and awesome. I mean, we had John right.
1: Stossel for a first for a first event. It was just fantastic. We were it, people were you know pushing out the hallways. It, there were just so many.
0: It was hard. It's it might be actually hard to top. It was so good. But they can do it. I believe they can. And uh, th- these activists here are really the cream of the crop. They're some of the best activists, liberty activists from around the country. Some of them from around the world that are all coming to New Hampshire to to make a stand for freedom. The second American revolution, as it has been called. All right, 800-259-9231. Let's go to Gene, the Christian anarchist, calling from Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live. Gene?
13: Well, hi, guys. I just listened to the podcast of the other night because I, I apparently missed that uh Call in where one of the callers complained about me on your BBS.
0: Oh, yes, more of the forum drama. This has been going on for two or three weeks now where certain Uh, people are complaining about uh, content on our user user forum.
13: I must be pushing some buttons because I believe that's at least the second or third time a BBS user has called in to complain about me on the BBS.
0: Maybe so, but the, ins- the, the image-blocking software is, is in place, so anybody that doesn't want to see inappropriate images can easily uh, handle them their own uh, user experience now. So I don't see why anyone else would have a complaint at this point.
13: Yes, well, I still think that it's a mistake that you changed the policy from uh, disallowing inappropriate images to allowing them, and the reason for that is you're, this is your house. And you're, in your house, you have rules, and you can set up the rules the way you want to. That's true. Uh, obviously, you set up the rules to where you don't care about the inappropriate images. But guess to your house. May find the inappropriate images objectionable.
0: That's true. Which, which is, is why, when they join the forum, right there in the user agreement, it makes it very clear they may experience those images and instructs them as to how to re, uh, to restrict that content. So, okay, I,
13: well, I just want uh, you know I I've think covered the bases.
0: A, I, uh, you know, we just got tired of the infor- you know, we just got tired of enforcing it and tired of the complaints. So it's it's now even a a less moderated forum than it ever had been in the past. And actually, uh, what's kind of interesting is the side effect of changing that rule was amp dollars increased. Um, There was like one or two people that I think dropped out because of it, but then other people amped up uh, as a result, and some increased their amps. So, I mean, it was actually a net gain for Free Talk Live, and there's a handful of people that said, that's it, I've had it with this forum, and they went away, and then they came back.
13: I know (laughs) that one... One thing is you're not gonna get as many women as you want. You know, you're always claiming that you wanna have the women come well, into the it's forum It's an internet forum, Gene. In.
0: I mean, A number number one, you're dealing with talk radio, which is heavily listened to by men, though there is a significant amount of I mean I'd say about a fifth at least of our listeners are women. Maybe a quarter. Um maybe a quarter. And so then you you know, you're dealing with a male based listenership in the first place. Then you're also talking about the world of the internet forum, which is also uh dominated yeah. by males. So just by its nature the porn is going to
13: chase, chase away women. Now, the porn doesn't bother me. Apparently, some of those people think that I have never seen porn or something, <laughs> and, and they want to post porn in order to offend me. Well, I don't find that offensive. I find What I find really offensive I find it stupid, quite frankly. I don't find it offensive. But what I find offensive is those grossome death images. And so I wanted to show them just what offensive is. They think they know what offensive is. They haven't got a clue what offensive is. I can show them offensive when they want to see offensive. I love
0: you guys. You guys just keep battling back and forth. It's just amazing. Gene, thanks for the call. We appreciate it, and uh, glad you're on the forum. Uh, Gene was one of
1: those people that went away. I'm out of here, and... and he came back. It, the, the forum is addictive. I, I I don't understand it. I don't spend much time <laughs> on it. I you know I, I I don't know. That's not my thing.
0: How's it been going for you, by the way, Mark? Uh, a couple weeks ago on the air, we talked about what your little technique was for the forum, where you go on to the BBS, because there's there's a quarter of a million posts there. It's impossible, it's impossible uh, for somebody who's working full-time to read all of the posts on the forum. So what you do is you go and you type in your name in the search box, and then anything that comes up, you look at it. And so as a result, many of our listeners decided, to just start posting mark in just random threads um has that uh, changed your forum experience at all um i i now read
1: more random threads (laughs) well that's good that's good that's it (laughs) you still don't post very often though i I don't have much to say yeah okay i mean if somebody addresses me and asks a specific question i like to be able to answer that um you know it's a lot better to be able to uh, email me but but fine i'll go and look at the bbs but uh, you know there's, there's not that much that interests me you know the bantering back and forth and all that well
0: it certainly interests some people and they'd love to do it they just love to go at each other Mm -hmm. and it seems like a fruitless waste of time but hey it's their experience they can make it what they want to uh 800 there's all and by the way there's there's all kinds of things on the forum serious issues uh everything from uh you know the issues to just fun topics bbs.freetalklive.com gets you to it should we talk about uh drinking and young people? Sure. Okay. CNN's reporting that over dinner recently, Anna Peel recalls one of the first times she drank alcohol. She says, I was 14 or 15. I ordered a beer and they served me. She had just finished her freshman year of high school and was traveling in Greece with her friends, her family friends. She says we would have just have wine with dinner. In Greece, it's so not a big deal. While that experience would cause some American parents to worry, Peel's parents weren't upset. In fact, starting in middle school, her parents allowed her and her siblings to have an occasional sip of beer or wine. I don't know which parents don't. By the time she was in high school, Peel was drinking beer and wine regularly at family functions and social events. More on the way on this story. And your calls as well. How do you feel about the idea of making it so young people can actually legally drink in America? (gasps) Is that something we should do? 800-259-9231. I say, absolutely. This is Free Talk Live you. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Sakel's CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. Mark, 2-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. The wiki's there, over 1,400 pages, created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. W-Y-K-I.freetalklive.com.
1: The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, Limited government and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit RLC.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's RLC.org.
0: Talking about young people in America and their obsession with drinking and how it is that a simple change in the law could really alleviate all of these problems, or at least a lot of the problems. Uh, CNN reporting on a young lady named Anna Peel who, when she was in Greece visiting with her family when she was 14 or 15, she ordered a beer and they served her. Um, Why wouldn't they? To her, it, to the people over in Greece, it's no big deal when young people drink. In fact, uh, she says starting in middle school, her parents allowed her and her siblings to have the occasional sip of beer or wine. And by the time she was in high school, which is only about age 14, Peel was drinking beer and wine regularly at family functions and social events. But it was always in moderation, Peel says. She says her parents' attitude toward alcohol made it seem less mysterious. She says it wasn't some forbidden fruit. I didn't have to go out to a field with my friends and have 18
1: beers. God. It, you know, the the way young people drink, it's just... Um, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, you know, and th- it in in college, it it can kill them. It, has it does. Killed, it does kill them sometimes. I mean, it doesn't kill every one of them, but they 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 drink liquor, hard liquor, because it's easier to transport. It's more concentrated, and uh, they'll drink it so quickly because they're not allowed to drink w- at whatever function that it is they're going to be at a football game or a party or you know wherever yeah. there's going to be somebody that could catch them. That they'll they'll drink it quickly, and that's what causes. Alcohol sure, and even if you're not talking about college kids, let's talk about high school kids. Because really, I
0: mean, those are there's huge amounts of drinking in the world of, of high school students in sure. America, and it's probably pretty large in middle school these days. Uh, but you've got kids that in college they're drinking to go out and do things. In high school, they're going out to drink. Right? Mm-hmm. In high school, they've got the there's the friend whose parents are out for the weekend, so a bunch of kids go over to the house and they drink there. Or in the case of what uh, Ms. Peel is talking about here, just some friends going to a field somewhere. One friend brings a bunch of alcohol along and you've got, you know, 20 high schoolers getting wasted in the middle of a field. That's the right word for it, too. When something goes wrong, when someone gets alcohol poisoning in the middle of nowhere... Or out in the out of the field somewhere. They don't even, these in a kids forest. don't even,
1: They don't even know what alcohol poisoning is. They just think somebody's sure. passed out. Right. That's how they die. Yep. So that's when things get really dangerous. Um. So the
0: the whole situation with kids drinking in America is just always fraught with peril. And it's fraught with peril because it's illegal for kids to drink.
1: And re- what's the what what is law enforcement's solution to this? Throw them in jail. Well, yeah. Give them give them a you know drinking while underage fine and you know something that sticks to their record forever and ever. Great. Awful, awful idea. Experts
0: say binge drinking continues to be a growing problem across the country. According to a recent report from the U.S. Surgeon General, there are nearly 11 million underage drinkers in the United States.
1: That's a lot of people. Well, That's a lot of kids. Right. Because they're Uh, all under the age of 21.
0: Nearly 7.2 million of those 11 million are considered binge drinkers, meaning they drank more than five drinks in one sitting. Hmm. That's a lot. I mean, five shots is enough to do you... Real... I mean, you'll be if, wasted.
1: If, I don't know what a sitting is. I don't know if a sitting is uh, several hours or, or what, but five drinks in a night is going to mess me up.
0: It says, uh, in this age of just say no, some people believe it's time for Americans to reconsider how they teach kids about alcohol, and Peel's father is at the top of the list. Stanton Peel says, we taught them to
1: drink in a civilized fashion like a civilized human being. We taught them to drink in a civilized fashion. Martini's and in their little fingers <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, his uh, father is
0: at the top of the list says uh, says that uh, apparently he's the author of Addiction Proof Your Child, and he's a psychologist. He says many of the programs st- set up a, to stop alcohol abuse contribute to the teen binge drinking crisis. Any program that tells kids flatly not to drink creates temptation, he says. Preparing your child to drink at home lessens the likelihood that they're going to binge drink, he says. Not sharing alcohol with your child is a risk factor for binge drinking.
1: Right. You teach your kids um, how to eat. You you teach them what's good to eat and what's bad to eat and how much to eat and all that other stuff. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you teach them how to drink? Great question.
0: Are you one of those parents that just says no to your kids? Love to hear from you on what you think about changing the laws in this country and making it so young people can actually uh, imbibe alcohol legally. Peel says other cultures have figured it out. He points to Italy, Greece, and Israel, where children are given small amounts of wine at religious celebrations or watered-down alcohol on special occasions. But many other experts say the psychologist is off base. That's ridiculous! Sounds Calvina Fay, executive director for... The Drug-Free America Foundation. Mm. By allowing teens to drink, you're giving permission to your children to do harmful things. What? What what harmful things? Yeah,
1: there's nothing harmful about having a beer. This is the new temperance movement. This is the new, um, you know, it's, it's without all the religion. Mm-hmm. This is what the temperance movement is. The the idea that um, the average American is not going to use alcohol when they get older is when they get 21 is it's ludicrous. And to think that they're, you know, shouldn't be taught that just doesn't make any sense at all. To well, she's me. suggesting that uh, that having
0: one beer or one uh, malt beverage is going to be a a, a bad
1: thing. That there's something wrong uh, inherently with having a drink. Apparently, it's so. Such a good thing that people would want to do it that you know she's just gotta you use the law to break it, make it go away. And I'm sorry, I don't I don't agree. There's
0: nothing inherently wrong about drinking uh, an alcoholic beverage. That now it is dangerous when you have too many of them. Sure, but that's the whole point of right, this. That's the idea we're talking to teach about: kids not to drink too, too much. Right. And I I am a victim personally of this of the situation in this country when I was a young person my parents did not teach me about alcohol I remember asking um I remember asking about beer when I was a kid I saw my uncle drinking it at uh, family get sure, it's
1: clearly an adult beverage
0: Yes and I was very curious about it I was told that I you know it was not something for young people it was not something for kids and it was sort of a mystery to me all the way up until I was 16 and then I you know I turned 16 and started Right that's the age when people are getting when young people start really getting into these things if not earlier now these days but that was when I started uh, getting into it my friends introduced me to to when the kids here. are getting
1: they are going out of the house they're going out of the house to, you know to hang out with their friends and their friends are drinking
0: that's exactly what happened i went over to my friends house was going to spend the night there had the intention of of uh, of getting drunk and I did. Um, luckily, I wasn't the one with the bad experience that night. It was one of the other guys that was there with me. He uh, ended up locking himself in the bathroom and oh, passing gosh. out in the shower. <sighs> um, of course, we didn't know if he was passed out. He was locked in there. We were trying to figure out what was going on if everything was okay. It was it was it was a scary situation. Sure. Is he dead in there? And that's what we were concerned about. And, uh, you know, it didn't stop, that didn't stop me, because again, it, it wasn't something that was bad that happened to me, so I kept uh imbibing after that point, and it was always to the point of getting drunk, always, because that's what kids think. They think that the purpose of drinking is to get, as they call it,
6: wasted! Crunk.
0: Yeah, or crunk, that's I guess the new hip term. Um So... That's what I did. And then I ended up, on my 17th birthday, you know, a year later, ended up on the front porch of some guy's house. I was blacked out of my mind, didn't know where I was, what I was doing, on the front porch of somebody's house with a gun pointed at my face. And uh, the the cops were called. The ambulance was called. I ended up going home with my parents. And uh, I swore off drinking at that point. You're lucky you went home with your parents. Because I still thought that the purpose of drinking was to get drunk. Wasted. Now, ten years later, I figure out that that's not necessarily the case. It took me ten years, Mark, to figure that out. Mm. Now, how does that affect the rest of kids in America? More on the way, 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Tell us your story with alcohol. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring in whatever you want. The live Saturday edition. Toll-free number for you. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And uh, we'd love to have you chime in with your stories of what it was like for you when you were in high school. And how did you come to understand what drinking was all about? Did your parents bring you into the loop? Or were you like me? Were you just sort of left out in the cold, told not to drink anything, and then you end up encountering alcohol like most people do in high school with your high school buddies you end up getting wasted thrown into a jail cell or your kid you know
1: your friend's puke or you end up getting hurt or alcohol poisoning what was your story right this is by no means a question for just young people who um recently went through it what was it like you know if you're 70 years old what sure. was it
0: like one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 CNN is talking uh, in a story about people over in other countries like uh, Greece and Israel and Italy where young people, children even, are given small amounts of wine at religious celebrations or uh, some alcohol on special occasions as they That's get older. That's it was for
1: me when I was growing up. I mean, I remember my uncle gave me a little taste of beer, and I thought it was awful. Blah, mm-hmm. What was yuck, We People drink that crap? But, you know, I tried it here and there, and then at some point or another, I got a taste for it as an adult.
0: Well, I guess you were kind of fortunate in that way, Mark, because uh, a lot of people had my experience where they were just told no. And, of course, when you tell someone like me no, <laughs> I want to find out why I'm being told no. Right, I want to what find are you trying to what, keep from me? Right. What's going on? What's this alcohol stuff all about? I want some, and I want a lot of it, and I want a lot of it right now. And I ended It up must be into, good
1: if you're trying to keep it away from me. Right.
0: I ended up getting into not uh, so. <laughs> some situations that were less than desirable as a result of the fact that my parents did not properly uh, teach me about alcohol. Most kids are learning about alcohol from other kids in America and I'm afraid so. and that leads to some really dangerous situations. Whereas in other countries young people are brought up with alcohol. They're brought up understanding how to drink. They understand how to drink responsibly. They understand their limits and by the time they become of age
1: it's no big deal. Right. I think other countries have all kinds of problems in different areas, but I think no doubt. I think they've got it right in this area of uh, teaching kids. Yeah, this is it's something fundamental. You can't go through life without having the option of drinking. Sorry.
0: Well, the uh, Drug-Free America Foundation says it's ridiculous. By allowing teens to drink, you're giving permission to your children to do harmful things. That's not true. What are the harmful things? Uh, there's nothing inherently harmful about having a beer. And besides that... By I allowing... had some beer last night. I don't think I did anything harmful. And this woman
1: must I be... I did, however, sing karaoke, which somebody might consider harmful.
0: This woman, uh, Miss Calvina Fay from the Drug-Free America Foundation, either she's just an idiot or she's just just mean i don't know what her problem is it seems to me that uh by allowing your teens to drink with supervision that's keeping your kids safe right it's that's living in the real world where you understand that there's a major problem in america with teen binge drinking and that if you allow your kids to drink while they're under your supervision while they're under your roof while you're at home and they're not afraid that they're going to get in trouble or anything like that, they've got your blessing to do it, then they're going to feel safe. They're not going to, f- not going to be out in the middle of a field somewhere.
1: They're not going to be staggering home uh, across a road. Well, I likely mean, they will be out in a field at some point or another with a bunch of other kids um, and have the option of drinking. At that point, they understand what responsible drinking is about, mm-hmm. and they're not doing keg stands, and they're not oh funneling 12, uh, a 12-pack of beer. They're not, It's madness. They're not thinking that it's okay to drink up. A fifth of vodka, out of a plastic bottle and just tip it up. Yep. You know, that's the kind of stuff that happens. It and really it does. I, and if you don't I, believe
0: it, go to MySpace. It's all It seems all over very
1: difficult to me to imagine that that happens to somebody who's been sort of brought up. Now, I wasn't brought up drinking responsibly. I just had an option at a, at a couple of events to uh, drink a little bit of beer. But I think if I had had more training in that area that I probably would have acted more responsibly.
0: Absolutely. In fact, 19-year-old Anna Peel is now a sophomore at New York University. She wants to be an actress, and she does drink with her friends, but she says it's always in moderation and that she's well aware of her responsibilities saying, she she says, quote, your parents expect you to do your work and get the most out of your education. They're not paying for us to drink. No. Unquote. (laughs) That's that's what college
1: is a lot about.
0: Let's get your stories and your thoughts on this issue. Should we make it legal in America for young people to imbibe? 800-259-9231. Bill in Indianapolis, listening on WXNT. You're on Free Talk Live, Bill.
14: Hey, I think my situation was identical to Mark's. If I got the right guy, I hope I get you guys confused sometimes. It, it, it can be difficult. What
0: is your situation? Go ahead. Uh,
14: my father said about the same thing. He, I was looking, watching him drink a beer. Of course, he was, what you call a mild alcoholic. You know, he liked to drink beer, and I looked at him. I'm about ten or eleven years old, and you know, I don't I must have been curious, and he looked at me and he says, "Here, have a swig." He says, "It won't kill you." And I did the same thing. I spit it out. I went, how do you drink that? He said, oh, it's good.
3: <laughs>
14: he said, there, there was no, there was no, um, you can't do this. You can't have that. Here, mm-hmm. try it. And, and he, I think maybe he, knew, the old man was kind of smart. And I think instinctively he knew the kid wouldn't like it. Okay? And that was the smartest thing he could have done.
1: I, I heard a story about a friend who, uh, you know, his dad caught him smoking. So he bought him a pack of cigarettes. And? Smoked the whole Made him smoke the whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, Said he had no he had no interest in smoking after, after that. that. I bet. I'll bet. After he puked. Now, when was the next time you
0: ended up drinking after you? You know, you said I you were ten did. or eleven. The only
14: thing, I, only alcohol I've ever taken since then is probably cough syrup and wow communion. Uh, you know, a, a thing to go to sleep. while well. I can't use a maybe a brand name, but you know.
1: Right. You so can cool. use a brand name if you want. We don't care. Yeah, we don't you know care. Those
14: <laughs> night halls or nightquilts night cool. or something like that.
1: I don't know how much alcohol it
0: has I in it. I never
14: developed a taste for it.
0: What if you had asked later on down the line, what if you had turned 14 or 15 and you asked your dad at that point, Dad, I think I'd like a whole beer. Do you think he would have let you?
14: Yeah, I think he would have.
0: I think that would be the appropriate thing to do. Thanks for the call, Bill. We appreciate okay. the story. Your calls as well, 800-259-9231. Let's talk to John in Indianapolis. Uh, we've got another John, so it's the first John. You're hey. on Free Talk Live. Hello. How
15: you doing? Hey there. Well, I started drinking approximately 12 to 14 years old. Mm-hmm. I never had it blocked from me, period, but I was never... Given access to it, you know. Okay. And I was never given any training or whatsoever about it. So wait a minute.
0: You were you weren't given access, but you weren't blocked. I don't understand. How does that actually play out?
15: uh, Well, friends, kids, you know. I was never given access at home. I see. Never knew anything about it.
0: And how did you? How was your? uh, What was your behavior like when you first started drinking? What what was Um, your uh, your habit?
15: uh, You know, I really don't know. Uh, I I know I became an alcoholic. By the time I was 16.
0: Oh my goodness.
15: Oh yeah. You know, what is and now? I,
0: and now describe what is it like to be an alcoholic at 16? I mean, alcoholics typically means you're drinking something every day.
15: Every single day.
0: How much were you drinking every day?
15: I would take, uh, well, back then we still had uh, glass bottles for Coke bottles, you know. hmm I would take a glass bottle full, halfway full of vodka, and oh. the rest of it being Coke.
3: Jeez.
0: Would yeah. you take it to school?
15: Yep. Put it in my locker.
0: Oh wow. You know? Where were you getting the vodka from?
15: Uh, friends. You know, I lived out in the country back when Geiss was the country, you know. And it's just you So know, your
0: friends just... were buying it for you or where's the money coming from? Were you working a job or what?
15: Oh yeah, I had to my dad owned a restaurant. I had to have a job at the age of twelve, you know. He always paid me, so
0: now it's not like it's a crack habit or anything. Alcohol is relatively affordable compared well, to I other believe, drugs but
15: believe it or not it is. Okay, I was a. Uh, after I, you know, got out of high school, I went to the army. I became a police officer for IPD. I worked for ten years with that. Uh, I was diagnosed with a uh, cancer and Parkinson's disease, and mm-hmm. now I'm a minister.
1: It it so, has some health effects, but um, in the sense that it's not like crack. i was I mean, going to say it's not You, you like never crack. you never broke into anybody's house and stole their stereo no, and sold no, it for alcohol. I, ne- I never
15: did that. But right, you, you know, never prostituted yourself, you still, or... you still have the same shame.
1: I, I would say that you're addicted just like crack, but, you know, exactly. crack has, you know, some additional problems. How many kids,
15: now,
0: when you were a t- uh, police officer for 10 years, how many kids did you bust in your uh, your time period there for uh, underage drinking?
15: Oh, I couldn't tell you that. I, I don't have a clue. Because there were so yeah. many of them? Um, no, not really. Uh, less than 50
0: okay. in 10 years. Still, though, did you, um, did you feel anything when you were busting those kids? Like, you know, did you feel sorry for them, or did you wish well, you didn't have to be doing it? What was, you, what was going through your head at that time?
15: Most of the time I tried to, you know, either send them to use emergency services or call the parents, you know, and try not to have them arrested so that they don't get a record.
0: That's good. And there are uh, a decent amount of cops out there that, that take that approach, but unfortunately not yeah. uh, not enough of them. I think a lot of them get off on the idea of raiding a high school party and arresting kids. Um, I don't know if that's because they weren't invited to the parties when they were kids or, or what their problem <laughs> is. Yeah. But uh, thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate the story. 800-259-9231. We'll talk to uh, John, another John and uh, G, Calling from Brooklyn. Paul is on the line as well. Bring up whatever you want. This is your show. 800-259-9231. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call and your story about alcohol and how you were introduced to it. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231. Sagal CAI toll-free line is Ian here with you. And Mark. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call, maybe. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on this site are for free. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. So start your shopping experience there. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. As we go to the phones and to the fun, uh, John in Indianapolis, listening on WXNT, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, sir. Hey, what's on your mind?
16: Well, um, I have a lot to speak of when it comes to drinking. Sure. Because I've been there and done that.
0: When did you start? And what was it like uh, at your uh, your house with your parents? What did they tell you about drinking?
16: Well, I was just talking to a fella that I work with yesterday. Mm-hmm. That when I was about six or seven, I had my first taste of beer. Because his dad was a, my neighbor's, next door neighbor's dad was a heavy drinker mm-hmm. of beer. And... Uh, he brought a beer over to me, and I tasted it, and it was disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I hated the taste of it. hmm And uh, I didn't think too much about it until when I got up to where I was around 15, 16. Um, I become rebellious because there were situations in my family life that I didn't like.
0: And you're a teenager and it's just that's what happens.
16: Yeah, I became rebellious. Right. And so uh naturally I gravitated towards uh individuals that were rebellious also. hmm And I got to hang with them. And I would I would, you know, again, uh, it's like so clear in my mind, even today now I'm I'm in my 40s.
0: What is it that's clear in your mind?
16: Um, what's clear in my mind is what got me started drinking in the first place when I was 15.
0: So it was the fact that uh, you're saying it was the fact that you were hanging out with a rebellious crowd. Uh, they they sort of brought you into the fold of uh, of drinking alcohol as opposed to your parents teaching you anything about it
16: absolutely
0: it's just it's just tragic and and thank you for the call we appreciate it 800-259-9231 that's not
1: the way that you should learn these things the same story gets is getting told over and over again exactly if uh people's parents would have you know taught them about alcohol from the very beginning and wouldn't weren't scared that they were going to get arrested for doing so um you know have their kids taken away for doing so you know the laws that we have in this country are just messed up when it comes to alcohol we we have this whole puritan teetotaler thing this temperance thing it's still hanging mindless. around
0: it's mindless and it's ignorant and it's just ignore ignorant of reality uh let's talk to g in brooklyn g you're on free talk live with you uh,
17: good evening uh can you hear me
0: yes we got you what's on your mind
17: uh yes um if i start to ramble just you know speed me on but i'll try to make this quick <laughs> okay. um you know just like you said before um you know i came from uh the kind of family you know of course there's you know liquor around they have a cabinet but of course you know kids don't touch this whatever mm-hmm. but uh you know Some places you grow up, you know, friends that have cat parties or whatever, so it's around people start drinking, it's cool, you get into it. Um, I'm 35 years old right now, I'm a functional alcoholic. Uh, My brother drinks a lot too, he's not an alcoholic, but, you know, we both went to elite universities. Uh, He's a doctor, I'm an engineer, and I'm the sort of alcoholic now, like, you know, I wake up in the hospital sometimes, or, you know, I mean, you black out, things happen, whatever. But, you know, uh, basically, he's functional, a lot more to me is responsible, but, you know, I'm not. I just like, you know, I know I've learned my lesson. I've, you know, been in jail before, but.
1: So are you still um, drinking?
17: Uh, Yes, I am. I'm actually uh, having a Guinness right now. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, you end you up know. in the
1: hospital sometimes for this?
17: Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you wake up in a hospital or you wake Have up you in Have you tried treatment? You don't even remember what happened.
1: You Have know you know tried I mean? treatment for this? Excuse me? Have you tried treatment for this?
17: Uh, Yeah, but no, not really, because it's one of those things. You just keep thinking you can control it. But, uh, I, you know, what I'm, what one of my points is, I have a friend that just turned 21, uh, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he actually came up, uh, drinking with his parents. Like, you know, uh, not drinking, but, you know, they have a glass of wine at dinner. Sure. Right. Uh, you understand exactly what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of joking with him, like, oh, are you going to do the 21 shots thing? And, you know, so on his birthday, he goes out with his father, and, you know, they go out to dinner, and he has a margarita. He's fine. Uh, last night, he went out with his friends. They partied a bit you know, they teased him about being a lightweight. You know, he ended up drinking a lot and was like, you know, they they couldn't tease him about being a lightweight anymore. But he was fine because, you know, he understood the limits and everything. So, I mean, you know, some of us will always be hardcore alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever. But, you know, the, the fact that it's there is undeniable. And there definitely has to be education about it,
0: so you I feel mean, like you would have been better off in your life had your parents actually said, "Yes, you can have some uh as long as you know we're supervising you and and that'll help keep you safe so gee, every time you drink do you,
1: do you get drunk
17: uh pretty much because I mean you know I'm just one of those people like i like I just like the feeling of it in my veins, and it's mm-hmm. funny now because you know like you know I'm friends with my parents, and I go home, I' take my mother out to dinner, we go to a game or we go wherever. And I'll take, I'll go, so I'll go out with my mother to brunch, and then we'll go to the baseball game. And of course, you know, I'll start drinking whiskey or whatever. And you know, so I'll have a, start having a few, and she'll like, she told the bartender to cut me off, and I'm like, you know, woman, are you crazy?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Amazing, gee, thanks for the story. We really appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the sacl C A I toll free line for you. And there's something that he mentioned in there in his story about the uh, his young friend that just turned 21 that I found interesting. And said, you know, when you are when you're in the drinking culture the young teen drinking culture like you were talking about with the funneling and the beer bongs mm-hmm. and all the insanity uh then there's this there's also this
1: mentality of you got to have more you're not a man if you don't drink all night long as much as you possibly can. I remember the scene from, uh, and this this scene affected me. Uh, you know, they they say that uh, Hollywood makes a difference, and I think it really does. This scene affected me from the Indiana Jones movie uh, Temple's, uh, what is it Raiders of the Lost Ark? It's been a while. I mean,
0: that is the name the, of the movie. The, I don't the first one, and um, it. It.
1: there was this uh, you know contest where the uh, this big guy was doing shots with the uh, the the heroine in the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, she put him under the table, and somehow it was it would allow somebody. Who you know wasn't quite the man to uh, be much, that much more of a man by drinking a lot, right?
0: Yeah, you don't become a man by uh, by drinking,
1: a right? Lot and and I'm know. never it was never you know that I could run fast, I guess, as a kid, but that was really about all I could ever do. I never was very coordinated. You, I'd be in that last section of kids that got picked for the baseball team. Just but, wasn't very coordinated,
0: right? But unfortunately, the way that that plays out is that a young person like you, Mark, who was you know the last last pick for the team, that sort of thing, I someone go like that. that. Far someone like that that's Mm -hmm. getting razzed for not drinking enough is going to feel like they have something to prove. So they Mm -hmm. will drink more in order to show them, I'm going to show them how much of a man I am. And then you end up blacking out and ending up on the front, you know, somebody's front porch Mm -hmm. or in the the custody of the police or in the hospital like our last caller. And it's just, the whole country, uh, especially the young people in America, has such an unhealthy attitude and I'm generalizing, but in, you know, in general, in high school, there's such an unhealthy attitude about drinking. It's really putting our kids in danger. And the only solution is to make it legal for kids to drink and to where you can actually, uh, and I'm not, you know, Even, let, let I, store owners decide who to sell it to. Well, I, I would think personally say that, that.
1: but the, the first step, if there's a step in this, is make it legal for parents to allow their children to drink. And drop Maybe. the age to 18. Right. Uh, well, I, I would say that, too. Um, That's an easy step. As far, far as I'm, I'm concerned, there should be no age limit on alcohol, and right. uh, store owners should be able to make that decision, and parents, uh, you know, should give them their... Uh, feedback back to the phones to troy
0: in indian uh indianapolis listening on wxnt hello troy
18: hey how's it going guys hey what's your story uh i started drinking off and on when i was like 13 i grew up in a rural community mm-hmm. and
3: there used to be a lot
18: of parties a lot of older kids you know that i lived you know was around from ages you know mm-hmm. there was always a 21 year old who would buy it and then a younger kid you know from you know 20 on down to you know 13 and then when I got into high school, we used to have, you know, large parties and where we'd go out by the river and, you know, you know up to 20 of us, you know, and we'd all drink and.
1: The have classic country song stuff.
18: <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know, just in, hang out. And it seems like the kids that I hung out with, out of all of them, the parents that were real strict and, like, the uh, really gullible parents, their kids tended to have a problem you know, ended up having an alcohol problem. The biggest problem. It It makes sense. The worst one of the preacher's
1: kids. Oh,
18: yeah. It
3: is.
18: (laughs) Definitely. And one kid I had, you know, a star athlete, and mom and dad, like, oh, you know, he's so perfect, he wouldn't do anything. And, Hmm. you know, by the time he was you know 17 he was an alcoholic you, you know, know? I think
0: what I think is really interesting about your story is that you mentioned that you started at 13 and you were hanging out with people who are 21 almost 10 years your senior you want to talk about putting uh, young girls in a dangerous right.
1: situation that's what I was just thinking 13 versus 21 oh, I mean boy. wow that's uh, that's like asking for trouble so
0: if
18: yeah and it, at times I guess there was and it depended you know I think my parents had a you know a, big role in my life by the time i was you know 14 15 i think they kind of realized you know sometimes what would happen uh my dad actually he let me have my first drink probably when i was 10 or 11 yeah.
0: you know you know the more uh, uh, parental supervision can be involved in this the better if parents tell their kids no they're just going to go out and do it anyway and they're going to do it dangerously troy thanks for the call we'll be back monday night you can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com and have a great weekend